welcome to episode zero of the Gaming and Drinking Podcast. I am Adam Gogan. I've got Travis Casey with me here today. What's up? Oh, you know, just doing a little, the old gaming and drinking. I've got, I've got the, uh, this is from Brew Bus Brewing in Tampa. I live outside of Tampa. And this is the Fluffer Nutter Spread Imperial Stout. Uh, Going heavy. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Starting out, starting big, dude. Episode zero, you go big or go home. (laughs) That's true. That's true. Uh, it is an imperial stout brewed with peanuts, marshmallows, milk sugar, and natural flavors. Ooh, I love when they put natural flavors in there. Yeah, don't know what that it's means. It's always, but... always one of my favorites. What about you? What are you drinking? So this is the Nebo Pilsner. Let's start to see. Uh, and from uh, Fonta Flora out of Raleigh, North Carolina. Um, okay. And it's semi-local. I live in South Carolina, but... Uh, close enough that we, you know, North Carolina, South Carolina, we tend to say things are local even when they're split by state. So, yep, just like the uh, Panthers. <laughs> just like, just like the Panthers. Dude, this beer is so damn that, sweet. Is that first tasting right there? Is yeah, the I've, never had, had I've never had this before. I like that. I like that. I wanted to try it before, but I haven't. But. <laughs> so my my the beer that I was drinking when we were doing our setup is is uh, the Violent Bogarden from New Serum, which is my favorite brewery. It's, it's one that my company distributes, and it's a blueberry cobbler pastry stout, and it's 11%. So that's this was my warm-up beer. <laughs> my okay. So now I'm going to the light pills. So you already went big before we even started. Right, yeah. I wanted, I wanted to be in the zone. When we got <laughs> Gotta it, loosen so. up. Gotta loosen up, bro. <laughs> and it's, Maybe it's I so good. I just, loosened, I just loosened up by playing some uh, Pin the Tail on the Donkey at the neighbor's birthday party. Oh, wow. Nice. That's, so uh, I need this. <laughs> I'm assuming there wasn't a lot of drinking going on with that gaming. No, it was very unfortunate that there was no drinking involved. <laughs> <laughs> um, but one thing they, so it was like, it, it was my girlfriend, uh, our next door neighbors, they're really good friends of ours. And um, my girlfriend went out of town with her because it was her birthday yesterday. And they came back today and had a surprise party for it. It was a 90s theme party. And there was a, they decided that they were going to play a game. They, they do all these like little themes and games and stuff all the time. And mm. one of the games was, we're going to write a 90s celebrity and put it on your back. And then everybody's just going to give you hints. And whoever guesses who they are first gets a $5 Starbucks gift card. And uh, What celebrities did they do? Dude, listen. So they, they put one on my back. And Amy, uh, my girlfriend, she, she looked at me a second later and she goes, man, you're a heartthrob. And I go, <laughs> Jonathan Taylor Thomas. <laughs> is it, I won. <laughs> as I was say, like, the classic 90s, like, oh, Tiger, yeah. Tiger Beat. My, I have a younger sister, so every time <laughs> I think about her, like, Tiger Beat magazines, whenever I think about those, like, the 90s celebrities and the, the, the all those guys that were always on those covers, like, all like Devin Sawa, and, um, yep. which yep. you see these guys now, and you're like... They're hilarious on Instagram. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Devin Sawa is particularly funny, but, like, to think that they were like these heartthrobs. Like, I don't think today, like the girls of today, like girls who would be that target demographic now could imagine these old men as being like these like young, <laughs> you know, the ones that all the girls had. My sister had posters of these guys on, on her wall. Oh, yeah. And stuff, so 
oh yeah it's funny that 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 was like such a thing back then and now now magazines don't even exist so <laughs> <laughs> what the hell so, is a tiger beat <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> nobody knows what any of that stuff is um but yeah, I was really like the game. Literally, not even everybody had all their fucking names on it. <laughs> and they're like, "Wait, Adam won." I was like, "Oh shit!" <laughs> Wait, was that? It was just the one. You just did the one round. Yeah, it was just one round, and, and I won the gift card. <laughs> oh, that's that's even better. <laughs> like you just like you every, like they were like, "Wait, Adam got it." They're like, "How would he get it?" Said heartthrob. <laughs> <laughs> one clue, one clue in, and that's all it took. Apparently, I um, am a mind freak. <laughs> Apparently, you know the um, you know your teen heartthrobs from the '90s very, very well. Yeah, but anyways, we are getting off on a tangent here already. Uh, already. So, but let's get into kind of what we are. So, this again is gaming and drinking, not '90s celebrities and drinking. <laughs> although, um, although it could be, it could be we could go there. I mean, different, who knows? different podcasts. But uh, you know, we'll probably talk a little bit about that here and there. <laughs> But <laughs> as, it, as it comes up in normal conversation yeah, exactly um but really this is episode zero this is not even episode one we are really just kind of getting the feel for it neither of us have ever podcasted um but we are both have a media background um i used to be an editor at a news station i've also been gaming pretty much my whole life um my older brother got me into nintendo like when i could barely even use my hands um and i've been a gamer my whole life and I've listened to a lot of podcasts about gaming. And um, the ones that I'm always drawn to are the ones that it's kind of a little bit about gaming, but it's also about the personalities that are there and the, the humor and the connection that they have with their audience. Yeah. And um, that's kind of what I think we're going for with this. Um, we're not going to be like your, your podcast, your gaming news podcast where you come every day for your breaking for news breaking news i'm not going to be telling you about what numbers the ps4 sold in last quarter or anything like that it's really just as you can be, see we're very relevant we're talking about the ps or very up to time because we're talking hey, about the ps4 exactly. <laughs> yeah well i've got a ps4 pro but uh, right. but uh no we're going to be more talking about just you know what we're playing what we're drinking uh want to get to know our audience and kind of go from there so this is episode zero if you're listening if you're watching, you're getting in on the ground floor and just let us know what you think. Um, yeah. But yeah, um, Travis, you want to kind of go into a little bit about yourself? I've been rambling here for a little while. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, I, you know, you started with a younger brother. I, I'm the oldest child of, of my family and my dad and mom got me an NES uh, in the 80s and I started playing uh, games on that. I had the Ninja Turtles game that everyone loves to hate on. Um, and one of my fondest memories- Awful. It's, I mean, there's, there's some good parts about it, yes. but, but then it was followed up with the, uh, the arcade game, which was excellent. Um, and I played the absolute shit out of that. Uh, and then one of my fondest memories is the, uh, when I got the SNES for Christmas one year, um, that kind of just set me off on a, uh, lifelong love of, of playing games and stuff. And, um, I remember, you know, back in the late nineties and early two thousands, I became like kind of a PC gamer, uh, and, started getting into like hardcore rpgs and and uh sims and things like that and then kind of around the 360 era came back to consoles and and have kind of been playing consoles ever since then um so i think it's it's one of those things where i i, I will play stuff no matter what platform it's on i don't really care i the games are what's important to me not the not the platform or anything so um 
been doing that, you know, I've, I've been gaming since basically I was five years old and drinking uh, a little bit later than that, but <laughs> now I work for, for a, <laughs> yeah, not much. I work for a beer distro now, a craft beer distro. So a lot of the beers that I'm going to be bringing on to the show is stuff that oh, I shit. have. Sorry, um, my, my dog just tried to pull my microphone <laughs> off. <laughs> oh yeah. We both, we both have dogs here too. So if you hear loud crashes or weird animal sounds, uh, that's the dogs in the background. So there might be some mishaps here and there. Um, but yeah, just, uh, just been doing this for, um, a long time. And, and now, and like Adam said, I, I have a background in uh, film and media studies from uh, the university of South Carolina, the real USC, uh, for all, for all the, you East mean Coast the university of California. Oh yeah. According to our former <laughs> at the time president, God. the university of California, um, which was, oh man, don't even get me started on that. Yeah. Uh, so <laughs> Yeah, so we're going to be doing this and, and seeing where it goes. And um, like Adam said, if you guys have any feedback, we are open to suggestions and, and whatever. Speaking of that, um, we are on Instagram at Gaming in Drinking. Uh, we've got that on Twitter, uh, YouTube as well. We are pretty content light at the moment, considering this <laughs> is episode zero. Yeah. But um, we are working on trying to get some some Twitch streaming going, uh, get, get our podcast numbers up so that we can actually have a library that people can look to for content. Um, and so from here on out is when we're really starting to build that. Um, but just, uh, let's see a little bit more about me. Um, I grew up, like I said, in the nineties, um, my brother introduced me to a NES, but I didn't really get a taste for what I liked in video games. So the N64 came out, um, really played the hell out of some uh, GoldenEye, Mario, Zelda, you know, all those classic games. Um, really wanted to get a PlayStation, but I couldn't because my parents wouldn't get me one. I was in the same boat. Yep. <clears throat> I had to buy my own. I had to work and save and buy my own. <laughs> I, had a, I had a Sega Genesis too that I had to play, that I played the hell out of. Mm. Um, funny story about that. There, I was obsessed with Toy Story as a kid, like mm -hmm. completely, absolutely, utterly obsessed yep. with Toy Story. Did you have the the terrible game that they made for it? Oh, dude, you mean the amazing fucking? <laughs> if it's the same, so I played the one. The one where you're on. Woody and you got the, the yeah, drawstring. Yeah. Oh yeah, you, you're, and you're like, it's like a side scroller, right? Like yeah. your your yeah. side scroller. And the I graphics played, are amazing. They they were. I do remember them being pretty good for that era. 3D. So it was 3D there's graphics. A, there's a there's a gnat that keeps buzzing right in front of me. It keeps coming oh, in front no. of my camera, it's driving me nuts. Um, but I had that on the PC. I don't know. Amazing if it's, game. I, I, I imagine it's got to be the same game. Uh, you said I don't think I ever beat the first level, so I don't know I would, how good. It, dude, when I, I was in, when I was in like third and fourth grade, I would come home every single day from school and spend about 90 minutes beating that game. From start over to and over again oh every day <laughs> so it took an hour and a half to beat the whole game maybe less maybe less if you really know what you're doing then you can zoom through that damn thing oh so you were a you were speed running before you even knew what it was pretty much <laughs> <laughs> i wanted nice. to play that toy story uh, uh, but yeah grew up on the sega genesis but really got my real taste on the n64 um got a ps2 in high school that was pretty cool played a lot of ready to rumble boxing uh, played a lot of Tony Hawk's Underground. Um, a lot of the, just, you know, the quintessential, like, early 2000s games. Um, and then PS3, PS4, you know, is is all in the history books. We, Me and Travis right now, we play a ton of Apex Legends. That's 
kind of our, our bread and butter at the moment. We're not great at it, <laughs> but we enjoy it a lot. Yeah. Um, it's one of those like chat room games where you can get together with your boys and just bullshit and exactly and, and kind of play a game and while you're doing that. Um, and that's kind of how this sprung up actually, because we would find ourselves chatting like that in the middle of you know like an apex run and then all of a sudden you're getting <laughs> shot at and you're like wait wait, wait we gotta be serious though we gotta actually play this fucking game yeah um, we'll be sitting there talking about like hey did you hear about that other new game that's coming out next week yeah. it's like oh shit we've got three teams mm -hmm. raining down hellfire on us yeah <laughs> um but yeah so i think what we're gonna start with is now that we've kind of gotten introducing ourselves out of the way which i know that was a kind of long rant but that was this is episode zero you know we're doing yeah. what we we got to get get the people to know us right. get, we got to let y'all know who we are you know <laughs> i want to know who you are you got to know who we are too right um so our first real segment is going to be obviously what we're drinking which we've already talked about got the brew bus fluffer nutter spread uh we're not ones. getting we're not getting paid we're for not this, getting so paid for this that, but that, I, that ad read right there was not <laughs> we are not getting paid for that <laughs> hey if you want to send me some more Rubus, i'm right here um no but um so we're going to talk about what we're drinking a little bit which we've done and then i think next would be what are we playing so um travis what you've been playing uh well i'll start with what we've both been playing um so we both just got the mass effect legendary edition uh, which is the PS4 slash every other console, Xbox, PC, whatever, um, remaster of the original Mass Effect trilogy, which is one of my favorite series of all time, including Mass Effect 3, fuck the haters. Um, and uh, I know we're going to talk about kind of how we approach this, uh, but I'll say that I have played through and beaten all three of them, so I'm coming at it from the perspective of having played it before. And Adam has never played them before. So tell me, uh, tell me what you decided to do. Did you go Femshev? Did you go male? Did you go renegade? Like what's, what's your, uh, what's your, I, what are you doing? I, well, first of all, I'm really, really loving the lore of this game. Like, mm -hmm. holy shit. As a sci-fi nerd, um, it's, it feels like I'm playing through a sci-fi novel with all of the different connections that are made and all of the different characters that just kind of get sprinkled in everywhere. Um, but as far as my character goes, I did the Andwar, is it Andwar? I can't remember. Whatever the one where um, he's basically, he was on a slave planet and the Alliance came and saved him. Yeah. Um, and then I am going with, the Vanguard class, which is the weapon and uh, magic class, which I'm digging. I'm mostly using yeah. pistols and throwing little purple orbs at people. Yeah, that's a that's a. What I, so I did that in my original playthrough, and that's like a shotgun heavy class because you can. Yeah, you gotta upgrade like, the pistol before you can get to the shotgun, though. Oh, do you? Oh, that's right. I forgot they had that. The first one is like this super rigid um, skill tree. Yeah, thing I just that, unlocked shotguns like 20 minutes before we started recording this. Nice. Yeah, that's there's a the first game in particular has a lot of uh, PC idiosync idiosyncrasies that have been like carried over from Bioware's legacy as a PC developer. And you see, by the time you get to Mass Effect Two, there's a lot. It's a lot more action focused. It's way less role playing. Way less not not less role playing, but a different type of role playing, I should say. Okay. Um, and they really get the um, systems heavy stuff 
they make it a lot more palatable to the masses, which is why I think Mass Effect 2 was such a bigger hit than the Mass Effect 1 was, because Mass Effect 1, you can definitely see the legacy of PC in there, especially with its wonky controls and, and things like that. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm really fucking loving this game, though, dude. Like, mm-hmm. it's um, it's really just that character development that you don't see... Like, even as a game that came out in 2007, I think? Yeah, 2007. Um, even as something that came out all the way back then, you still don't see that type of world building on that level. And, mm-hmm. and that's not even just that scale, but that detail, that attention to detail on really much of anything that's come out since then. Yeah, it's like it sprang forth uh, and the universe was completely established already. Like you kind of feel like you're walking into something where every little corner has been planned out and thought of already. And it's so rich that I think that that is like what a lot of the appeal of Mass Effect is and always has been is is it's kind of like Star Wars in that way where and and Mass Effect takes a lot from Star Wars. is how you you come into this world that's completely realized like it's not one of those clean pristine uh you know places it's it's kind of lived in and has like a very uh almost rough-edged feel to it where you know it's almost like there's some uh established racism in the government or something <laughs> right <laughs> <laughs> something that we probably all know a little bit yeah. about <laughs> It hits you with it. It hits you with it straight up. I'm oh, yeah. like, man, this is, it and it came out 14 years ago. It's like, yeah, yeah. the, the established races. Times have not changed that much. <laughs> the, the further we get, the, the more we stay the same. Yeah. Um, so how are you feeling? I, I know the, the controls and stuff are a little weird. Um, if you're coming at yeah. it from like the, the Call of Duty, because um, since 2007, same year, uh, Call of Duty established what everyone knows is the, control scheme like i don't think if you didn't play games before 2007 you don't know that first person shooters did not have a codified like way at of all. playing at all you, you would get like reload on l1 and, and all kinds dude, of i've ran out of grenades like because <laughs> you keep trying to reload yeah so the crazy thing about so this changes in mass effect 2 but the crazy thing about mass effect 1 is there is no reload button yeah it's just on a cooldown <laughs> it's a cooldown yeah, yeah. Uh, which is that does take some getting used to and I'm, I'm doing the same thing i'm constantly tossing grenades even though i know better like I, I you know i remember playing this game and um but how are you finding those buttons that? are super not mapped right yeah. <laughs> like i if they're like that's one of the things i think they could have changed as far as just like a easy a quality, quality of life. life i mean i don't yeah. i say easy but i don't really know what the devs are i mean but it looks like really what they did i think was take the og mass effect and put a really really pretty coat of paint on it and didn't yeah. re- did they do anything? I mean, I know they added Femshep to Ma- Mass One, right. but other than that and the coat of paint, is there any difference at all in the gameplay, in the animations, in anything? I, um, I mean, yeah, they definitely. So the animations have definitely been improved. If you go back and watch the original uh, game that was released, it does not look. I mean, the facial animations are still kind of wonky in this, especially in the first one. Um, Dude, it's great. Their, their face, their facial it's... animations are nuts. And and they so one of the things that I thought they would smooth out is the really weird, awkward scene transitions they have from like sometimes there'll be a cutscene or like a dialogue scene, and then it'll transition to like gameplay. But then there'll be like a second or two of like a wide shot that they do, and then it just pauses for a second on that wide shot, and then goes back to what it's like. Hold up, actual gameplay. Hold up. And you Wait, think that something's going to happen, and but nothing does. And it just, 
you would think that they would smooth that stuff out, but it's probably something in the engine they can't. Uh, but going back to what you were saying is that the only thing they added, uh, I went to the menus and there is something for leveling called, you can do like legendary edition and yeah. original. And it said, I don't remember this, but it said uh, the original game was like levels one to 60 and the legacy edition is one to 30. So it looks like they squashed the levels a bit. Mm -hmm. um, I imagine that's for like quality of life stuff because you're just yeah, getting too I much. I mean, I get, I know, I did notice, like I saw that as well, and I, I actually tried to call you yesterday about that. Like I was, <laughs> I was gonna call you and be like, "Yo, dude, which one should I do?" Like I left it at legacy because I feel like if they did that change, they did it for a reason. Exactly, that's exactly what I did, and um, but I have noticed that after I do anything at all, I get a shitload of skill points. Like yeah, and like, that 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 will change. So that that they do kind of front load that stuff because um, I think they want you to get your powers and your guns and all that stuff right off the bat. <clears throat> and then after they do that, they're, you know, like when you, by the time I feel like you're, you're taking missions where you're going to separate planets and stuff, you're not going to be getting skills constantly like that. They're, they're, actually, you'll probably finish whole planets without even gaining a level at one point. At least that's how I remember it from, from back in the day. Um, okay. But I, I do remember them doling them out a little bit uh, heavy in the beginning and then a little bit less later on. Yeah. Uh, but they definitely, I will say that even though the control scheme is wonky as it is now, it's still a thousand times less wonky. So they definitely did some work to the controls because it, it, it plays smoother than it did. Okay. Because so Bioware comes from, you know, a PC background, specifically RP, the PC RPGs, CRPGs. Um, and the shooting used to be also be like a skill-based shit. You would, they would do a skill check based on your like shooting prowess when you would take a shot, you know, like, just and because you, you might like, miss and you might miss 100 because of your skill check in, in the first game, not in this, by the time the second game rolled around, they didn't do that. So they changed that to be more like the second game. That's almost so, like a turn-based strategy RPG. Like what, what the hell game am I thinking of? They did the, uh, alpha protocol did that. Um, they no, did like, that with, what's the term base? That's oh, Valkyrie, tactical, Valkyrie, Valkyrie no, like, Chronicles. For some reason, the one that's popping in my head is Mario Luigi Kingdom uh, Battle. It, yeah, it, I mean, but the other one, the the space one, the massive sp the space XCOM. <laughs> XCOM, there it is, there it is. I haven't played that yes. game. But so, so imagine like XCOMy type thing, but in it, action. It wasn't. It wasn't more. It was more like um, like a an RPG like a Bethesda game where you would imagine swinging your sword and it wouldn't connect because your skill check didn't pass. Yeah. So you're still doing the action, but you not might not necessarily get the hit, right? Mm. Um, which when you, if you're a PC player, a long time PC player, that kind of stuff was just par for the course back then. Especially even in 2007, when, when they released Mass Effect, like that's just how things were. You knew that if you, if you didn't have enough points in like, that gun it might miss and that's what they were going for okay and there's still there's still even with this game there are the gun specialties like there oh, yeah. are like i'm a specialist in pistols and i'm starting to become one in shotguns but yeah. i noticed i was trying to use an assault rifle yeah and dude i shoot like two and a half times and my gun overheats yeah like that's, right like that, and I, I totally get it i understand i think it's fine but the first time i did that i was like Man, what the hell's going on? Like, I'm sitting here just like popping shots off with the pistol, right. and then like they're a little further away, so I'm like, all right, let me bust out the assault rifle, bust that out, and then immediately just like, right. And you get that annoying like that noise yeah. that pops up. Yep. I hey, think real quick, mm -hmm. um, 
I'm about to grab another beer. Okay. I already finished that one. I'm going to have another one of these Imperials before I break into round two. Another. Okay. <laughs> for another spread. All right. I'll be right back. Right. Look at that delicious, chocolatey, fluffernuttery. Fluffernutter, wow. What a name. That is a hell of a name. It's a hell of a brewery, though. Brew Bus, me and Andy go there all the time, man. Um, they have an amazing food menu, too. Like, anytime there's a good brewery that's also got, like, dank good food. Food menu, yeah. Uh, the Sierra Nevada Brewery down in, or up in Asheville is like that they're they have like a five-star chef working their yeah. kitchen like but i mean it's it's like basically a theme park for beer lovers so of course they have like an amazing kitchen dude i cannot believe i used to so i used to live in charlotte and um i used to be a pharma rep up there and go around all basically all over north carolina and um anytime i went to Asheville, i would like because you can literally if you're in Asheville, north carolina you throw a rock anywhere you're hitting a brewery, you're a brewery yeah Dude, and they're just springing up more and more every day. Um, and they're all pretty good. Like, they're all pretty worth going to. Yeah. Um, it was really cool. That was, like, one of my hobbies. Like, I would go to Asheville every Wednesday for work. Wow. and um, That's awesome. Yeah, it was great. And so, every day for lunch, I'd go find another brewery, go get a six-pack of some beer that I never had, uh, try a new beer, and get a glass, a pint glass from whatever brewery I went to. That's sweet. Um, that was a lot of fun. And I ended up repeatedly going back to Wicked Weed. Like, yeah. dude. And then as I was moving from Charlotte, literally, like, I became a regular there. And, like, the week that I was leaving, I was moving down to Florida. Mm. Uh, they were like, oh, yeah, we're getting bought by Anheuser-Busch. <laughs> that was the oh, – that was the – I mean, I, at the time, I – because I – so, full background on me. I used to manage a bar for a long time. And mm -hmm. that I also used to work at. Right. <laughs> and that wicked weed purchase happened. And a lot of the Asheville people were super upset about it because oh, yeah. it's very popular in Asheville. Um, and I was kind of like, no, that's, it's great. Cause like, you know, people that couldn't get it, like now they're going to be able to get it and stuff like that. But I will say that since Anheuser-Busch bought them, they have just declined in quality. It hasn't been great, dude. It's yeah. It used to be so much better. Like I, I one thing I will say, is living down here in Florida, I get wicked weed beer. Like, that's whatever. I mean, I, but at the same time, I get pernicious. Yeah, you get this, I get, get lychee burst. Yeah. And that's it. And yeah. um, and that's what they're distributing, I think, probably throughout where their distro area is. Well, they, they so if you go to like a specialty store, you can probably get some of the cooler. Yeah, I get some shit. of the, yeah, there's a couple bombers at, at, the, at my store here, but that's yeah. it. Yeah. But the, I think what, you know, when it comes to beer distro and things like that, when, when something becomes uh, available everywhere, it makes it less special. So mm -hmm. once you've had the same, and like, if you were to go and if you were to go to Wicked Weed, you know, you would never get the pernicious at the brewery, right? Like you would always try the new cool shit and that's always going to be something new and different and whatever. So when you get that massive distro, then you, like all people can get is the pernicious or, you know, the, the, the Wicked or whatever the, the lychee you know, burst the, yeah whatever whatever the, the popular one that, that Budweiser is trying to sell at the time um and it makes it less special you know it makes it mm -hmm. less um enticing and after you've had pernicious 15 times you're like well now I want to try something new and that's just that's just how beer people are like you you know unless you like just drink 
a domestic like a Coors or a Mick Ultra all the time, you're, you're, you're constantly looking for new stuff because that's mm-hmm. just, that's just the world that it is. And if you're not in like the Asheville or immediate area around Wicked Weed, you're not getting their Funkatorium stuff. You're not getting their like the special stuff. God, they I miss the Funkatorium. Yeah, the Funkatorium is great. If you, if you don't know about the Funkatorium, it is like one of the first like just sour places like you go there and you get some sour ass dank beers and it's a super cool vibe and that was why i went there so much when i lived in charlotte was because of the funkatorium yeah and um that was probably five years ago and then they and then they got bought and i was like oh man like what what are you guys gonna do are you guys gonna be selling like wicked weed ultra like what the fuck is going on you're not too far off because they (laughs) they do have a locale beer now so oh, damn it i mean so does like bells so does you know yeah, I guess every, every, every everybody's national doing brewery it. is doing that um and it's unfortunate i i you know i don't want to talk i don't want to disparage a brewery like that because i think they are cool yeah but i, th- I, I think I, that- I love wicked weed dude i got a very very large place in my heart for wicked weed i just um i i really enjoyed going there and feeling like i was in a small special place right um and you can't replicate that now that it's what it is now. Like it's exactly. just not going to be the same, unfortunately. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so anyway, we were talking about Mass Effect. Yeah. And, uh, anyways. And, and how the um, your how you're finding the the new game. Um, yeah. So, so I I wanted to, to touch on. Uh, so I have always played these games, and most and not most every RPG from Nice Little Republic to. Skyrim to you know Mass Effect. I always play Paragon Paladin like the good route for, you know, until like I have like such a uh, empathy, like reactive thing that I feel bad if a video game character gets pissed off at me or I hurt their feelings or whatever. What's the other one? Not Paragon. What's the renegade renegade. Okay. I was wondering what the hell, cause they don't explain any of that system to you. Not really, but you get, you see the points pop up. Yeah. I saw like Paragon point one pop up. I just had my first thing where it was like, you can, choose to uh get this guy's wife who was a marine died on uh eden prime and he's like they won't give me her body back and i'm like yeah i got you yeah so so i went and got her body back for me it was like paragon plus one or something yeah so uh i've always done the 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 good route for lack of a better term and this time this playthrough i'm doing renegade for the first time in any type of rpg like this so i'm very curious to see how that's going to be because what I what I worry about because sometimes I feel like with the renegade the asshole options that it might cut you out of content because you're kind of like no I don't want to do that and then like does that cut the quest off like I'm not sure because I've never done it before I don't think that it would I don't think they would block you from going down I don't those know, routes dude, a, like nowadays I don't think they would but possibly then, in 2007 yeah. that could be like just part of like punishment for being a bad guy right you know? that's true that's true. So, well, that, I think that'll be an interesting thing to see, like, um, how that ends up playing out for me. And if, if I, like, by the time I go, get to the second game, if I stick with the Renegade path or if I'm like, no, I can't do that. I got to go back to <laughs> Paragon. I'm, I'm, I'm having a hard time hurting these computer <laughs> computer AI feelings and stuff. Um, yeah. So, um, so that's good for Mass Effect. What else have you been uh, getting into lately? Um, well, you know, with i'll say i'll save titanfall 2 <laughs> the brand new game that i don't know if you've ever heard of yeah. titanfall 2 i'll save Never. that one for our little apex minute that's okay. gonna be one thing we're gonna do we're gonna have an apex minute it's gonna be a thing that's later yeah. okay um but 
what I have been playing the shit out of, um, another brand new game that I don't know if you kids have heard of, is uh, Zelda Breath of the Wild. You ever heard of it? One of the best releases of 2018, 2017. Dude, I'm putting my name on it, my stamp. This is my favorite game of all time. It is fucking amazing. And I bought it when – so I bought a Switch day one. Same. Bought Zelda day one. Same. Uh, And I bought a cart. And I played probably about – I think I uh, had – released two of the divine beasts mm. and then i lost the cart and um mm. and so and that game never goes on sale ever no nintendo fucking, <laughs> it'll go on sale for 50 bucks so you get 10 bucks off of it fuck that dude i was always like I've, I've got this cart somewhere around here it's somewhere i'm gonna find it one day and um so for years until like a few months ago i could not find this cart and I've, I've literally, I've, I've got like two different huge switch cases for like all my little like docks switch, and chargers. Yeah. And like, it's, it's a really cool thing, but I've got like several cart cases and things like that. And it was not in any of them. I've looked all over my whole house. Then a few months ago, Amy was like, Hey Adam, found, found your Zelda game. I'm like what? And where'd you find it? Oh, it was just sitting on your nightstand. <laughs> what? Also, my house is haunted. Okay. <laughs> like that's the only explanation. My house Sitting is on. my house okay. is haunted. I yeah. literally cleaned my dude. I keep my house clean. Like my nightstand yeah. was clean. I don't know what the hell. Anyway, maybe it was under your lamp light. Like it like slid out from underneath that thing. That's maybe the that's the only thing I can think of, dude. But regardless, I had a, I had a similar had... thing like that um, a couple of years ago. I bought the. Um, the remake of Metroid 2, the Samus Returns. Um, yeah. It was for the 3DS. Yeah. Was that and, the one with like the 2.5D? Yeah. And it's yeah. so good. So I played through like, you know, a couple hours of it. And then like I, you know, took the the cartridge out and started playing something else. And um, I could not find that cartridge for the life of me. And like I was this close to buying it again because I love I love Metroids and I love that game. And I don't remember what I was doing, but I opened up like a case of something and it wasn't in the, like the spot, it was like behind the booklet. And I think what had happened was I had like just set it in there, you know, and then closed it up when I put the other game oh, in God. and it like slid behind the book. And Stuff when it popped out, I was like, I was like, Oh my God, this is like a Christmas present. You know, like <laughs> all of a sudden I've got this game again. Yep. Dude, um, I'm telling you, it has been three years since I played Zelda and um, a game that I've been longing for and knew that I would love. Oh yeah. Um, it's a and, fantastic and game. Finally got it back, dude. And I am absolutely playing the shit out of it. I have put, um, probably about all together, actually not all together. Since I've started playing again, I've probably put about 60 hours in. Wow. Did you and, start over? Yeah. Nice. Yeah. You yeah. Have to. Had, like you have to. yeah. Definitely started over. Um, got, uh, I've got all the divine beasts unlocked. Now there's 120 shrines. I think I've done 64 of them. Yeah, I think uh, I had when I beat it. I think I was at like 88 or something like that. And I just I was like, I'm not doing any like to find to find them is like the hardest part. So it's so fun though. It's so it's fun. <laughs> it's just it's it's Dude, it gets I, it gets tiring after a while. I just feel like there's always somewhere new for me to go. That like there's something around that corner. Like there's oh, something oh, yeah. like it. I thought like. 
so I've done all of Divine Beasts. I've done a ton of the side. I think I've done all the side quests that I found. And I'm still finding, even though this map is completely covered in icons of shit that I have found, mm-hmm. like I'm still finding new stables. I'm still, and then when you get to the stable, there's always a shrine quest there usually. Yeah, yep. Um, and then like I find, I did the, the, we were talking about the other day, the Eventide Island. Yes. Which basically, holy shit. And that's something you could completely miss. I missed it until I think Austin on the Beast's cast was like, yo, have you seen this Eventide Island? And I was like, I got to go find that. Dude, <laughs> it was so, I, I just, I saw it. Float, you just see it floating out. Yeah. It's like water. super far out. Cause it, I, I think I saw it and I was like, you can't, you can't, that's just one of those like skybox things. You can't reach that. But, I mean, you, you have to, like I, I, the first thing I did, because I knew the first time I played this game, I didn't know that you need 13 heart containers to get the master sword. Otherwise you're going to die when you try to pull the master sword out. Yeah. Um, so the first time I tried to play this game, I got to the master sword spot and I did all the Korok challenges. And I assumed that once I did the Korok challenges, I would be able to get the master sword. Right. But I still didn't have enough heart pieces and I was so fucking pissed. <laughs> and I was, I was like, dude, I'm not going to go around and find 20. Cause I'd put, I'd been putting all of my points into stamina because I wanted to fly around everywhere. Right. So I only had like seven or eight heart containers Mm-hmm. And I was like, you've got to be fucking kidding me. Yep. But so that pissed me off. But then knowing that the second time, the first thing I did with, with all my points was put them Just straight pump in the your heart so you can get pump, the master sword. Yep. So yeah. then I, I went and got the master sword and then I started dumping stuff into stamina. And um, then I finally got enough stamina to reach even tide without having to use like a stamina potion. Right. And um, dude, getting out there, I, I, I didn't know. I know you said you were listening to like Austin Walker and the, the bomb cast or the beast cast talk about it. Yeah. I, I didn't hear that episode or I didn't remember it, but I got out to Eventide and I was, it was like, it's like, what the fuck? And it's like, we're going to test you. Must, you must be naked for this test. <laughs> we're going to take away all your stuff and you've got to find it. Good luck, bitch. And I'm like, oh <laughs> shit. I feel like Nintendo should have should have added the bitch part. I think that would have like added a little bit of layer of, of modern hipness to it if they'd have done that, gone down that route. Good luck, pussy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and it's one of those things that what I love about that game in particular is the way that you can like it doesn't lead your hand by any means. It's it's the I don't remember, somebody probably already said this, but it's the antithesis of uh, the Ubisoft open world game where these thousands of icons pop up on your map because literally almost everything that you see on your map, you have to put there. You put your little, you know, thing. And I had this like whole elaborate system worked out where this color like dot meant this thing and this color dot meant another thing. And like, I would, mm-hmm. I can see it out. In the Dude, you go crazy doing that back. shit. I did yeah. the same thing. It's great. Yeah, it's <laughs> it's so cool. And I can't believe that no other like open world series has adopted this format yet because I think it's so much more exciting than the uh, Assassin's Creed or you know Division style of like hey here's an icon here's that means it's a mission just go there and do it and Red Dead 2 kind of had some of that stuff where you would walk into a you know a mission that you didn't know was there already or um you know they would there was a lot of like emergent stuff that happened in that game but it still wasn't quite what Breath of the Wild did which was basically here's a ginormous playground we're not going to tell you anything about there's these four locations on the map here's the final castle but but beyond that like go you got to discover everything go have fun 
and they're so good at leading you uh, to everything by just having you like by using stuff on the map or using stuff in the visuals to say hey come here and check this out like the, like eventide which is this like floating island thing like you see that and you're like i gotta i gotta go fucking check that out like mm-hmm. otherwise you're you know it they're, they're so good at saying like this isn't just like a dull you know part that looks like any other part of the environment this is like a brand new thing and it clearly sticks out um to somebody who's playing it and i think that's what's so brilliant about the design of that game is that they're not saying like they don't use the map to get you there they use the actual environment to get you there which is yeah. so cool and so unique but the map i think definitely does work hand in hand with that because there's like at, at one point because i'm basically stalling now i could go beat ganon tonight if i wanted to right um but i'm having too much fun i'm going around i'm getting all the koroxes i'm getting all the shrines it's way too much fun for me to end it right now right um but one thing i'm doing now now that i've got this map all filled out i'm looking for like little tiny points on the map where it's like you know if it's just any kind of different topography there's something there (laughs) there's something there and i just mark it on the map and go over there and usually dude i found um like some ancient dude i found like some ancient ruins with like some 50 foot tall statues with like a lightning god or something that was just there just hidden yeah. in a corner I'm like what the yeah. fuck? this would be in any other game this would be a huge moment that is like a set piece moment that is one of the few that people can talk about but there are so many different set pieces in zelda just there for the taking mm-hmm. as the world mm-hmm. that um there's so many of them that it's hard to just like talk about them individually. Yeah. Um, And a lot of those are our best like experience without actually having, you know, known about them beforehand or like you stumble upon that stuff and it's that much more exciting because you you feel like it's happening to you as opposed to like you went and sought sought it out because you heard about it or you read about it or something. Yeah. Yeah. Just like uh, Eventide. And then there was also this, by the way, spoilers for, (laughs) four-year-old game yeah um also spoilers for mass effect and um a couple other games um but we're gonna uh, talk about we're gonna talk about re village but i I will not be spoiling yeah don't spoil that because i haven't even touched it yet um but there was another one what was the other one like this this maze like in the north western area of the map that's like toward the edge um like a big ass labyrinth and um you just get there and again it's like hey bitch <laughs> welcome welcome to the labyrinth <laughs> and it's like it, it's like at, those are the only two places there might have been one more yeah there, no there was like there's been three or four places that like you know when you go into the shrine that's whenever you get that like notification that's like welcome to the shrine yeah um but just out in the world, when you come across like that noise and that notification out in the world, that's when you know some shit's about to go down. Right. It's about to be cool. Yeah. You need to do it. Yeah. Um, and there's like, there's a ton of different stuff also that like you, like as far as equipment goes, that you could totally not get and you could totally beat the game without it. Right. But the, the struggle and the, the action of, procuring it and then being able to use it later is so gratifying mm-hmm. um for example the biggest one is the thunder helm for me i don't know if you remember that that was in gerudo mm-hmm. desert yep. and um you have to basically solve all the town's problems yeah and then she'll let you <laughs> use like it's like a bunch of really dumb fetch quests but whatever 
yeah um, that's that feels like a reaction or like a response to like the usual jrpg style of like going to a town and then like everyone has these problems that do not matter at all to the quest yeah. you're doing it's like the one like, girl's go like solve it the one girl's like i'm trying to plant a garden and someone's throwing trash in the water <laughs> is that the <laughs> one where you have to get the paint for that guy no um, no that one you have to God, i hate you have to go so get much. berries you have to go get wild berries for this lady who's eating hydromelon on top of a waterfall so that she'll stop eating the hydromelon and throwing the rind into the waterfall into the water that's right yeah <laughs> there's 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 some quests in one of the villages where you have to like help this guy like plan a party or do something like that and he needs like he's dying something like i think he's dying like these like streamers or these like some kind of cloth and you have to help him get the dye for it and it's the most annoying thing in that entire game because i couldn't <laughs> figure out where i was supposed to go i couldn't figure out what i was supposed to do and i was like why am i doing i'm trying to save the fucking world like what fuck am i trying to get you this stupid ass dye that i know that you're like you could probably go do yourself if you just left the got off your ass and left like the village you know um, <laughs> this man needs turquoise <laughs> it really is something very similar to that um so yeah, I, I love that game, and and I'm I'm glad that you're you're uh, yeah. Getting into One it. last thing about the Thunderhelm because it was so cool. So you know how I said um, it was a really dumb kind of quest situation to get that stuff, but you do it and then you get this Thunderhelm, and it's like it makes you completely impervious to lightning. To lightning, yep. Which mm -hmm. is huge in that game, especially in that section like what you were talking about, where the lightning is like constantly crashing down. With the fifty foot tall statues, and like yeah. you got to get the orbs and throw them in. The yeah, so like not even two or three hours later was when I came across that area. Mm -hmm. And so like, I was like, Oh shit, I got what I need right here. Yeah, and it was fandom. dude. So, so perfect. Mm -hmm. um, but anyways, I think people know that Zelda is a pretty good. Game. <laughs> um, so uh, what else you've been playing there, Travis? Uh, so I just played and beat uh, RE village, which is the new resident evil game, resident evil eight, I guess. I don't really know how they, the marketing is kind of weird on that one. Um, uh, I am a huge Resident Evil fan. I've beaten every single Resident Evil, um, including most of the side ones like uh, Survivor and, and, Res and uh, what was the Revelations and, and all those games. I beat the remakes. I haven't beat Zero. I tried to play that not too long ago and I, I couldn't really get into it. But the, the first remake and the second remake are both incredible, even though they're very different because RE2 remake is like behind the back and RE1 remake is basically just a really pretty version of the original game. Okay. Um, so I'm like a huge Resident Evil fan. Uh, I'm not. So, just throwing that out there. I really have never cared about Resident Evil. But, you but played, I, I do enjoy hearing about it. So You played 7, please, though, because I remember please you... Please tell me. You played 7 <laughs> and you played it in VR, right? I've, I've played half of 7 in VR and I'm too pussy Scared to, to go on. Can't do it, man. There's like this old lady rolling around in a wheelchair, like... Yeah, and that that old lady uh, comes into play a lot in that story. Um, well, so this then I is I guess I'm never playing that again. This is a direct <laughs> continuation of that game. Uh, it is 100%. Basically, goes from the end of seven into right into eight, and um, so you're still playing as the same character, Ethan, who's kind of a dipshit. Uh, he's <laughs> his reaction to everything is very strange. Like he uh, he seems like he just kind of takes it in stride, but also has like the most like ridiculous responses to things like he sees the most well he's already seen the most incredible shit in seven you know he's was hunted his down wife, by this his wife uh the very beginning of that was just kind of yeah she like 
chops his <laughs> fingers off or his hand off. She and, stabs and him in the hand with a screwdriver. Him. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. And then cuts his hand off. Yeah. And then so he's already gone through the most crazy shit like or the craziest shit ever. And then in eight, he's still looking at things like that can't be right. It's like, bro, like you, you fought mold monsters like literally a year ago. Like, what do you, what, what do you mean? How that's does my this favorite. Like... That's my favorite reaction to like sequel, like stupid shit. Like, there's no way this. Is <laughs> or the way that they're like, this can't be happening again. And it's like, well, I think, I think we covered that in Die Hard that this absolutely can happen to the same person over and over again. Yeah. Um. So you you pick up as Ethan, and then uh, Chris Redfield is in it. And kind of the whole time, I kind of spent, like, wishing I was just playing as Chris Redfield because he's such, like, he, first of all, he's a legacy character, so you already have an attachment to him. But also, he's just, like, doesn't give a shit. And he's, like, shooting people that don't really, if they get in his way. And, like, he's just a much cooler character. Ethan's supposed to be, like, an everyman. But uh-huh. I, I, I think they go too far in, like, trying to make him like that to the point where he's kind of just kind of, uh, a, like, like I said, a dipshit. Mm-hmm. Um and he takes everything in such stride, though, that he by the time that you're done with his character, he kind of becomes endearing to you because he gets his hand chopped off at some point, again, in the, this game, too, and just reattaches it with his magic tonic shit. And, and you just, he just keeps on, like, it almost like he cocks it like a gun and just keeps on <laughs> oh, going. Oh, like, thank <laughs> God, that bone, that bone tonic. Yeah, just, just, just reattaches, um, and then he keeps going. But what I like about this game so much is that they do the, there's always something, they've gotten the carrot on a stick style of gameplay down to a T. You're always opening something new. You're always getting a new item that opens up a new path and, and leads you down somewhere else. And you're, you're constantly finding new stuff to do. And I, it, it's so fun. And so like, I, it was 12 hours of gameplay and I just, I blew through it so fast. Um, How do you I, feel about them staying away from third person? Because I know that was like a big part of Resident Evil was the third person aspect of it. Um, and now they've basically gone more in a first person shooter direction now for two games. Um, how do you feel about that? So I, Resident Evil 4 is one of my favorite games of all time. I love that game. And I think that, I mean, that that game is what established what we think of as like the behind the back third person shooter style uh, gameplay, even though you couldn't move at the same time and shoot. But like it is basically like the first game to do that, that style of game like that, and it was so good. I, I played it through recently, and it still holds up very, very well. Um, so I miss that. I, I think there's a lot you can do in first person uh, for pure horror stuff. Uh, you know, PT is a great example of doing that kind of horror straight up. Like it, the, it, doing it in first person is one of the scariest things that I think you can do. But except for VR. Well, it's even better in VR, but if it's yeah. a first-person VR, yeah. that's exactly. going to be more compelling than, like, you know, third-person VR. Same, <laughs> Fuck that. I, <laughs> I remember the first time – sorry to cut you off. I got um, I like your University of California glass. Oh, yeah. It's pretty nice. Repping reppin the, the college there. <laughs> um, but – I remember the first time I tried VR was when I came, I was living in Savannah and I came up to South Carolina to Columbia back to the old stomping grounds. And um, you're like, dude, I just got this VR. You guys can check it out. Mm-hmm. And the first thing we played was that London heist game. Yeah. And then the, the demo disc. Yep. Thing. It was the demo disc. And then the second thing we played was our, you just were like, just go into resident evil. Just go check it out. Didn't I'd never seen hide nor hair of Resident Evil 7 hardly. 
Um, definitely not in VR and just, I hadn't played it at all. That's mm-hmm. for damn sure. And I threw on the helmet and put it on and went in and dude, that was one of the scariest fucking things yep. that I have ever experienced. And you know, yep. having to, I bought the game and now I have it on my PSVR and playing through it again, the second time, same shit. I already know what's happening. Still terrifying. Dude, I still don't want to go down those fucking stairs. It's yep. like a whole lot of me standing at the end of a hallway. <laughs> and being like, nope. <laughs> and just being like, all right, can I please just turn the fuck around and go home? Yeah. Uh, like, so, and like, yeah. the, with the old lady rolled around in a wheelchair, like, I'm on, like, a two-foot-tall couch right now. Like, this mm-hmm. couch is super low to the ground. Mm-hmm. I am literally, like, in the fetal position, like, beside <laughs> yeah. the couch. Yeah, trying to get the... Like, like so, I, I feel like we should, we should use that to talk about um, Sony's next-gen... Uh, VR plans. Yeah, sure. Um, they've so we we know that um, the the new headset is coming and it's going to use positional tracking instead of using the camera. Because I will say, I have some the the PSVR. You, you like you said, you played it at my house. I cannot stand setting that thing up. It is the one of the most. Awful. It, it's one of the most maddening things because I have oh, to. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I don't you have, have the to... H, Yeah, I have to set. I don't have the HDMI pass through, so I don't get HDR if it's hooked up to my TV. So just setting it up is just such a huge pain in the ass and it's like the, it's got the one two three four you know like labels on it and you have to find like the right yeah if i didn't input. have the one that has the hdmi pass through like i've got i got I, I hate to even say like generational but it's like almost it, it's that as far as cables go it's that much of a fucking gap. it really is it's it, like it's, g1 is like you have to if you want hdmi or not hdmi if you want uh hdr, HDR. you're you're gonna have a lot of work to do Every mm-hmm. single time you want to play PSVR, yep. mine fortunately has that that pass through box, and um, I just keep it plugged in in my mm-hmm. game room. Um, but yeah. with the next generation, it's like I still I think I've got one cable that goes into the PlayStation, and then I've got like forty that go out of it and into the box <laughs> and all this stuff. But yeah. um, the next one I think is going to be just one cable. USB C straight in straight into front yep. of the straight into that front. Yep. That's what that's what they're saying. And um also you're not gonna have to set up a camera. So your positional tracking will be yeah, done dude, software I side. Wait. I can't wait. So you're not gonna have to sit on that like three foot bench that takes you down to the box. Like because my living room is not the biggest thing in the world. Like it, you know, my 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 house is is wonky with its dimensions and the living room seems like it was like cut in half by somebody when they were designing this thing. So like it's always a constant struggle for me trying to like get enough space for the. You talking VR about like in between the living room and the kitchen? Well, like just in general, like you know how my porch has like a it's like the, the fucking size of the living room, yeah. <laughs> and then like the living room is like this little contained area, and then there's the kitchen right behind that. Um, so like getting it, space is like a big concern with VR right now, because, mostly because of the cameras that are involved with it, right? So like mm-hmm. even if you have like a vibe, you got to set the towers up and and you know do all that stuff and. And that kind of like that barrier to entry, I think is what's keeping VR from the mainstream because I went to, um, so I was drinking with some friends not too long ago and we went to one of our friend's apartments and this girl had a quest and she was like, I know, I was like, she was like, do you like VR? And I was like, yeah, I'm like, I I have a PSVR. And she's like, do you know what the quest is? I was like, fuck yeah. And she was like, do you want to try this? Did you get to draw the box around yourself? Uh, yes, I did. And I'm jealous. I, I've always I played, wanted to draw the box. 
So the box was cool. Um, it was so easy to set because I was like half hammered when I did this and set it up and like <laughs> just kept half on going. Hammered. I was fully. I was fully yeah, you fucking were, you plastered. Were fucking <laughs> so this was like one o'clock in the morning. I, I know um, you and your drunk VR <laughs> sessions. Um, and then I did Beat Saber. So I will I will preface this by saying I watched her do Beat Saber first and she destroyed it. Which granted, it's her game. She was she was very good at it. And I was like, I can do this, blah, blah, blah. And I've never played V-Saver before, even though I've wanted Fun to. Game. I, I don't, yeah, it's great. Get it. And I, uh, I'm i just, like, drunk. And I'm like, womp, 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 <laughs> like, flailing around. But it was so much fun. And, like, the difference between setting that up and setting, like, the PSVR up was, like, night and day. And you can see. Dude, you can play it anywhere. Yeah. And you like, can see the, the, thing. the ease of it is what definitely drove this person to get it in the first place. And she was able to i mean it was like four drunk girls and me and they were able to do all this and just set it up and use it like it was absolutely nothing and i mean i was hammered to shit and i still got through <laughs> the thing and i guarantee you i've tried to set up the psvr hammer before and that shit is not hap- i've literally said i remember sitting in the floor one time like i had the two cords like the things in my hand and i was like <laughs> Which one goes to the? I don't know what I'm doing here. And like, I, eventually, I like, it's like we're not playing. VR. We're not playing VR. We're gonna we're gonna play PT again. Oh, uh, um, that's so good. Yeah, I would love to see you trying to set that up, hammer drunk. It it sucked. So <laughs> I think with with Sony's new approach to VR, which I think is um, definitely the way to go, which is simplicity. Um, yeah, I, I think that's that's going to be the main you know deal yeah i mean people are bitching about the the cake the having one cable but honestly if you really want a powerful vr system yes from sony you're not gonna get a separate thing and like that's just unreasonable to even think that you would you mean like not being wireless like a quest type thing yeah like completely wireless and all it is is one freaking usb-c I mean, if, if you came from this previous, I, I do think that people who say that it's not going to be like main, super mainstream until it's cordless, I think that's true. But I also think this will be even more mainstream than the PSVR was. And the PSVR was very popular and mm-hmm. the Quest is even more popular. So like, I think you're definitely seeing like people coming around on it. And I think this will break that barrier even further. I mean, like if you've, if you came from where we were when we were setting up PSVR back in, you know, 2017 or whatever, and now it's just one cord way back it in. like you're you're like oh man this is like night and day compared dude to I, I remember opening that box and like <laughs> it's just... got like the 17 different little boxes inside <laughs> of it and i was like ooh, like a lego set like, this is <laughs> yeah, like... <laughs> exactly they're all labeled like bag number one bag yeah. number two bag yeah. number three dude yeah. it literally like was a it, it looked like a big kid's lego set so like somebody like me I was I was super down, like, ooh, yeah, let's tinker with all this fucking weird shit and just mm-hmm. put it all together and see what happens. But if you about if the fifteenth time you do that, it's like mm, I don't really want to exactly. do that anymore. But I only had to do it one time. I've got yeah, like true. I've got the one with the HDR pass through, which is like if I didn't have that, I'd be right there with you. I wouldn't ever set it up unless it was like my mom came to town and wanted to try Resident Evil. Mm-hmm. Like, <laughs> then it would be a different story. Yeah, which uh, by the way, getting Barbie Gogan on Beat Saber was one of the greatest things I've ever I, seen. I life. bet I can imagine your mom playing <laughs> that was very very fun. Yeah, <laughs> especially after giving her like four or five. <laughs> <laughs>
She was, did she put her we're hand cut, through the we're TV? Cut, we're cutting this part. We're, cut, <laughs> we're, cut, we're cutting this part. <laughs> we're not going to talk about Barbie Gogan on, yeah, on air. Yeah. Nope. Um, no, all right, sorry, why don't, let's, let's, <laughs> let's move um, back to... Um, hey, the, well, real quick, you want to take, take, take a little bathroom break? Yeah, let's get a, let's get a bathroom break going. And, um, I'm going we'll to keep, I'm gonna, I'm gonna keep recording, but we'll, okay. uh, we'll just cut this out. Okay. All right. Welcome back, everybody, to I the hate, gaming. I hate this lighting. You can't see my actual beers. <laughs> to the gaming and drinking podcast. Um, just had to take a little break real quick, but we went to go. I got my own beers. collection of crushed beers back here. <laughs> I got mine over here. Uh, yeah, I got. I've also busted out the bourbon for. <laughs> oh, nice. <laughs> for it's about to get fucking weird. <laughs> um. So what are you now, drinking? I am drinking the Florida Avenue Brewing Company uh, mm-hmm. in Tampa as well. It's called Passion of the Heights. Um, this is their flagship. It is a hibiscus wheat ale, and it is delicious. Um, What's the APV on that? Uh, I don't think it's much. 5.4, 4.5? 4.5, 5, I want to say 4.7. Nice. 4.7. So it's so, a decent, decent uh alcohol content but not not crazy like that imperial stout i was just drinking i'm going in the opposite direction this is old hickory sheer Khan, and it is a barrel aged ipa which i have never had before never had i've never had this beer and i've also never had a barrel aged ipa barrel aged ipa okay it's a barrel aged ipa asian whiskey and gin barrels and now this is old hickory is one of the first crap breweries dude it's like they took like everything and they were like Let's just do it. Just do it. <laughs> yeah. I usually like this types of beers. Yeah, me um, too. Uh, this is out of Hickory, North Carolina, another North Carolina beer. This is one of my company represents. Uh, they Hickory's are a cool fan- town. fantastic brewery. One of the first ones to do it and still going strong, and they are amazing. Um, definitely check them out. What's this the brewery called? Old Hickory. I think I might have gone there. I can't remember. That was part of my territory too. But cheers, brother. Cheers, cheers. to uh, – the gaming and drinking podcast. Yeah. Mm. Delicious. Oh my god, that's oh, good. Dude, it's like it's so flowery. It's literally like I feel like I'm drinking a flower. Uh, we we I have a hibiscus uh, sour that I sell that's kind of like that. Um this is a let's see what the APV on this thing is. It's barrel aged and it's an IPA, so I assume it's pretty high. Yeah. I'm guessing I'm gonna guess nine point eight. 13.3. <laughs> should have known. I should have known. I should have known. <laughs> All right. Sweet. So we'll see how this goes. Yeah. Mm. Um, but the reason I busted out the bourbon for you audio listeners, I'm sorry. I'm about to show something on video that you can't see, obviously, because you're listening and not watching. But Amy just went on a trip and she came back and she's like, hey, I got you something. It's in that little bag over there. Mm-hmm. It's oh nice <laughs> i was like, like some... i don't know it's like a bathtub for my bourbon i was gonna say that looks like a bathtub is that um from beauty and the beast or something i it's from a thrift store oh mm, and better. uh i'm about to drink a giant glass of bourbon out of it in a few minutes nice yeah so we'll probably be at the same location later <laughs> on just we're getting there in yeah. a different way yeah, exactly <laughs> um so I know we've, we've kind of been going on about a few things that we played. Um, I kind of want to just touch lightly on another thing I've been playing. 
which also, dude, I don't know if you know this or not. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I like Zelda. I, <laughs> um, but, tell by your shirt. Yeah, I, I'm playing. Uh, I, actually, not the full, not even the full game. I downloaded the demo of Hyrule Warriors: Age of Calamity. Um, because I dig the story in Breath of the Wild so much that, yeah. like, I I I know that I've pretty much completed the story except for beating Ganon. And I was like, I want to go back and see. I want to go back and see Mifa and all them. These actually, characters. Yeah, dude. And the very first thing, like, I, I might, I've never played a Muso that I liked. Just Me, throwing that out there. Same, same. <laughs> Just not attracted to that style of game. At all. I, I've, I've played them. I've hated them. But this is the first one that I've ever played. And I'm like, I might buy this. I might <laughs> buy that game. Like, because not really for the muso aspects which i mean it's fine whatever i'm fighting hundreds of bokoblins at a time or whatever um, <laughs> something you would never see in the original regular no, game either no no but this is set before right this is a prequel it's a hundred it's the age of calamity it's like so link went to sleep for a hundred years and you're doing and woke all this up in breath of the wild happened this is what happened a hundred years prior prior to that before he ganon, went to sleep right when calamity ganon took over yeah um, and you get to play as like the different heroes you meet in Breath of the Wild, right? Yeah. So the coolest, I mean, I haven't played, I think I've only played like two main missions in there, but um, in the very first mission, dude, I got like a hype. I was hype there for a second. <laughs> like, cause you're, you're sitting there fighting and then it's like press up to change characters and you press up and change characters. And in Breath of the Wild, let me preface with this. In Breath of the Wild, there's a character named Lady Impa. And she's like this super old Sheikah lady. And um, she just sits on her like tower of like five pillows with her big hat. And she's like, you've got to save Zelda. But in this, she's like this young whippersnapper. Very good. Uh, you, by the way, if you, if you stick around <laughs> with us for a while, you will get to hear more of Adam's impressions of other I've got voice it. actors. And they are incredibly bad like all of them across the board are just no. nothing at all like the character that they are supposed they're to sound amazing like. and lady impa sounds just like that <laughs> um but uh no in the in the uh, age of calamity um you you transferred camera over to her and it's like this young skinny but like cut girl and like instead of this old frail lady and dude she can like make like multiple copies of herself and like go around and like do all this crazy ninja shit. And I'm like, dude, now I get to see Impa fighting like way right, before. Like in, her, in her prime. Yeah. It's like, and it's like this super cool story beat that you don't get from playing breath of the wild. Um, and then also to be able to go back and then, cause in breath of the wild, you basically, you have the champions, but they're all like, yeah, Ganon messed us up. You gotta, that's how they. That's how uh, the the Goron guy sounds too. By the way, yeah, yeah, very, messed, very spot on impression. <laughs> he he messed me up, man. You got to go get the divine beast. <laughs> um, but now in this one, you get to go back and see him just fuck shit up, and it's awesome. So, anyways, that's uh, my my Hyrule Warriors moment of the day. Fantastic. I I, I am interested in that game. I played the same demo that you're talking about. Um, and it was compelling. I did find myself, even by the end of just the demo, being like, I, I kind of hate this gameplay. Um, <laughs> I, I, I love the art stuff. The graphics in that game are amazing. Like, I, it's just Breath of the Wild, but, you know, with slightly more action, I guess. Um, mm-hmm. It also runs like shit on the Switch. Uh, like, I don't I know. I didn't notice that. 
Oh, it's there's a shit. Did you play it docked or not docked? I played both. Okay, I it, pay attention to the frame rate next time. Like, I, I think you'll see like it. it I saw runs, a couple, like, garbage. A couple, a couple of hitches, but nothing crazy. Um, I, don't know, I think I'm a little more sensitive to that kind of stuff than you are because I feel like when we talk about this, I'm always like, ah, I think kind of ran like shit. And you're like, I didn't notice that. So I think yeah. maybe it's just that's probably I just, just me. I, I think I just get wrapped up in what's going on and not right. paying attention to the, the smaller stuff like that. But I will say I, I kind of wish that instead of doing like a Muso game, if they'd have just gone down like it, my my dream for what they could have done with Breath of the Wild as like a universe was I'm so excited about Breath of the Wild too. Like I think that's going to be super cool. But if they could have done like a traditional Zelda type game, like a like an Ocarina of Time, but with the, the engine of Breath of the Wild, like maybe less freeform and a little more focused on like you got to have this item and go in this dungeon and do, you know, like the classic style. Yeah. Classic. Like, Zelda, a, sure. like a side story of that style. I that think would be fun. Super cool. That's what that I wanted really instead of doing like a Muso game. But I get that like Koei Tecmo did this and it wasn't Nintendo. So it's not like they use their internal people to make it. It's not like they, you know, took people off. Koei Tecmo it, just was like, Hey, you want us to do this? <laughs> They're like, yeah, yeah, go ahead. Why not? Cause yeah, I mean, exactly. It, it wasn't, I don't think a big decision really because they had already done the first Hyrule Warriors. Um, right. And so it was kind of a given, I think that they, with the success of breath of the wild and the would success try of to, the original Hyrule Warriors. Exactly. Too. Would capitalize and, and do that. But I do dig the story. Yeah. Um, although I am a little confused by the little mini egg uh, Sheikah thing. You know what I'm talking about? No. A little egg with legs that's like no. the, the thing that causes the, the towers to rise up. I it's been a while since I've played okay. this demo, so I don't remember. So, I remember there was like a there's like a mini um it's a mini the, it's a, a guardian, mini guardian. Mini guardian, yes. Yeah, yeah so, that's what I'm talking about. It's a little okay. mini guardian. Yeah, why like did you say egg? Because he looks like an egg. He doesn't even <laughs> no, he's, not, he's white. He's white like an egg. I, and he's white like an egg he's shaped like the, an egg so the, the mini guardian like causes the whole mishap that causes you send you because the, the the basic premise of the game is you go back in time right like you're he opens up a portal and you go back and uh yeah that's what, it happens in the first like three minutes of the game he does something fucked up and like everyone's dying oh the like, guardian the and, guardian goes back not yeah, yeah, yeah. link yeah, yeah, yeah. Link. okay you, i thought yes, you meant you as in the guardian goes okay back in time. i thought you meant link goes back in time no, no, no. that doesn't sound right yeah but yeah i don't know how i feel about that part of the story i think he's i mean they basically just ripped he's off cute he's cute <laughs> as hell yeah he's like bb8 and r2 had a cute little baby yeah um but i like how cute he is i like that he only like will hang out with zelda that's pretty fun. <laughs> yeah, that's <fun. laughs> um, but as far as like a aspect of the story, it's kind of so out of left field for yeah. where the Zelda story was that I'm like, eh, whatever. But anyways, uh, I digress. What what else what else have you been playing there? Um, so I think we can go right into our uh um have we been going on about what we're playing for a while? Yeah, it's been it's been a minute. So let's let's go yeah. to uh, let's do our Apex Corner um, because I think there's a lot to talk about with the new season launch. Yeah. Um, so for people who don't play Apex or don't keep up with this stuff, uh, Apex season nine nine just yep. launched, and uh, there's a new character like there always is. They did some stuff to the newest map that they've created, Elysium, um, and it is. 
Oh, and they also added a brand new mode, which is the first of its type in Apex since they launched. And it's a very big deal. It's also yeah, incredibly all, fun. Yeah, um, they've done a lot of LTMs and stuff. Um, yes, but this is lot. the first like permanent, this is a permanent game mode. Yeah. Like, which is huge for like, as far as battle royales go, I can't think of another one that has straight up said, all right, we're going to add a, a, another game mode. That's yeah. another PVP mode. That's not battle royale. I think so. Most games have that are in the battle royale genre have come from like, you know, other genres, other genres like yeah. Fortnite was a, was a, builder and it basically minecraft do you remember how much shit we used to talk about fortnite when they were trying to like when PUBG came around it was yeah. like so huge and, and then, then it's like the port- fortnite's, do you hear like, what Yo, fortnite's doing and we were like, like fuck them like yeah. there's no way they're gonna like actually like take that space and then they became the most popular game in the world and yeah, we're, now, fuck us now they <laughs> so, now they print their money yeah um so yeah most most games come from the like the other side and it's funny because apex is kind of like back ending into um the other space they're they're saying we're a battle royale now we're going to have a 3v3 mode which if you're a call of duty you were a 3v3 mode or you know team-based mode and then you came into uh, uh battle royale so now this game is just doing the opposite of that um what i like about this mode though is it's counter-strike but way less intense i guess there's not as much pressure. It's, it's a little more relaxed, a little better um, progression. I feel like uh, it, it doesn't feel as rigid as Counter-Strike because I played Counter-Strike back in the day and it, it always felt too rigid for me. It always felt too structured. I never, I never played Counter-Strike cause I never played, I never was a PC gamer. Um, but I, I was interested and I've watched a lot of videos on it. And it, from one of the things I noticed in Counter-Strike is that when you're shooting in Counter-Strike, you don't move at all while you shoot. You stand still <laughs> yeah. and you shoot your gun and then you run. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. Which is the total opposite of Apex. Of Apex. And mm-hmm. I think that's one thing you might mean by rigid is like yes, all the way down exactly to even to I mean. the even to the movement is like you are yeah. literally running, standing, running, standing. Uh, and, um, it's it's much more military, like realistic shooter focused than Apex is. Yeah. Okay. Um, but yeah, this new game mode, man. Holy shit. It's great. Yeah um very quick very quick and it's not only just the game mode it's all the other stuff that they also brought in with valkyrie which Mm -hmm. is the new character Mm -hmm. um and the bow check bow which is the coolest new weapon that they've had probably ever probably yeah that they've ever done as far as like usability right off the bat because they did they for some reason they always do a sniper rifle they did the sentinel they did the um uh, I guess the thirty thirty is not technically a, a yeah, sniper it's a rifle, but, it's a but it's but it's people use it like a sniper rifle, and people use yeah. the bow like a sniper rifle too. Um, Although it's, it's a little harder at that type of range, like you get you can get the two x, I think is the highest. No, you can no, do three x. Yeah, dude, that thing with a three x scope, it's it's almost unfair. But what I like about it is that it doesn't feel the thirty thirty from the rip felt a little off balance. Like if you can get headshots with the thirty thirty you are basically demolishing people. Yeah. Um, but the, the bow check has a little more uh, give and take with it. I think it's, it's a lot more balanced of a weapon. And it is also, maybe it's just because it's a new type of ammo and new type of thing that we've never done before, but it is incredibly satisfying to hit people with it. Not the sound effect that it makes, but the thunk and the, the, yeah. like, the way that you can like, it has like a really good feedback to the, the character when they, when they get hit. I think it's a very satisfying weapon to shoot. And I think that's what keeps me 
coming back to it maybe a little more than I would uh, if it were a different type of weapon. Yeah, and you know, it's really reminiscent. You know, it, they picked a good season to bring it out because they took away the gun that was the most satisfying to headshot yeah. people with before, which the, was the, the triple take. Yeah. Um, that gun, like you charge it up for like a second and a half and then you can just blow somebody's freaking head off. Yeah. And um, it's now got it's a pretty forgiving, the... pretty forgiving um, uh, aim on it because it's got the three spread shot. Right. Um, but I would have been more pissed about the triple take being taken if they hadn't replaced it with something as cool as the bow check. Yeah. Um, like the bow check, the he- a headshot with a bow check, dude, is like Very might satisfying. be more might be more satisfying than the triple take. To be honest yeah. with you. Yeah. Yesterday, yesterday. So we've got several other friends um, that we're gonna bring on as guests at some point that we play games with, like Apex and Overwatch and stuff like that. It's just for like to. So Apex Corner, I know Travis is like, this is our Apex Corner. Uh, on another on another note, um, Apex Corner or Apex Talk, we haven't, we're going to workshop it. Yeah, <laughs> but, this is episode zero. Yeah, we're, so, we're flying uh, by the seat of our got, pants. We got, we got an Apex. We want to have an Apex Legends segment because we play so much Apex Legends. Yeah. Um, but we've got a lot of friends that play that game with us who are a lot better than we are at that game. Mm-hmm. Um, and we want to bring them on and have them talk about it as well. But I was playing with one of those guys yesterday. I was playing with Rich we were playing a duos match and um, we third partied this team that had just taken, or they were in the middle of a fight and dude, I came in with the bow check and literally it was duos. So I one shot, boom, knocked one guy, one shot, boom, knocked the other guy. They were both dead. Damn. That's awesome. <laughs> and I was like, Holy shit. Rich, that's so did you see that? And Rich was drunk as shit. So he's like, yeah, dude. Oh, was this last night when he was sending those, <laughs> that, that, those messages are so funny i was cracking i've just hit that perfect drunk after you take you know whatever. <laughs> yeah oh man that was good <laughs> so yeah um so how do you feel about valkyrie she uh dude it seems like every time they bring in a new character i don't know if this is just my add or what but every time they bring in a new character lately i've been like this is my new favorite character like it happened with horizon it happened with fuse it happened with valkyrie now Mm um actually you know fuse wasn't really my favorite horizon was still my favorite but they the the level of the character design that they've brought into these new characters the last few seasons has just been stellar yeah and valkyrie is just kind of a culmination of a lot of different things um that that bring it all together you've got Titanfall, you got the Titanfall lore coming into it, which is like something we've all been waiting for. You've got the mobility of flying, which, holy shit, you're playing a respawn game, which already has the best mobility of any first-person shooter out there. Then you're bringing in this new aspect, which they've crushed once again with the flight. Uh, And then you've also got a rocket barrage, which was kind of, it's, it's really reminiscent to me of fuses as far as it's, fuses uh tactical as far as its use case goes yeah because you can use it to do damage but you're really i i use it more for position and zoning and zoning than anything else um but you've got all those things coming together with valkyrie that just make her i don't want to say op because i feel like everybody every new character that comes out everyone always says this character's op is op yeah even though they're 100 percent not yeah i don't think almost anytime I don't think she is OV because she's got weaknesses, 
um, when she's flying, she's completely vulnerable. Yeah. Um, when you use her ult, she's completely vulnerable and standing still on the ground. Yeah. Um, but and when, you, it, and when you use her tactical, if you float in the air, when you use it, you can hold it down and just float it definitely, but you can't move. So yeah. it's not like you can like use it to float and position yourself. Yeah, you, you can't float just, definitely and shoot either. You're floating. Yeah, yeah exactly. You're just yeah. floating, mm-hmm. um, which is really puts you at a disadvantage when it comes to if there's anyone aiming you at aiming at you aiming at you at all yeah um so she's got her weaknesses i don't think she's op but she's a hell of a lot of fun to play man she is fun yeah i completely agree i think that she's i love fuse fuse is one of my favorite new characters um i think she combines the verticality of horizon with the explosiveness of fuse and i think that that makes her very very compelling i think that they've kind of gotten what people like out of apex which is the movement combined with this like sense that you can kind of like get people out of positioning with any with a multitude of of different ways like you can use grenades you can use you know a sniper rifle or you can use something like fuse's tactical or her tactical Um, and people can't really huddle down and just camp or you know uh wait on other people you kind of have to always be mobile um which i think is what makes apex compelling to me because i've never been like the arma type to just like let's sit and get positioning and just wait here for, you know, 45 minutes or whatever. And I think that was kind of like, that's why people love call of duty. Cause it's like, yeah, it's constantly motion. Yeah. yeah. And I think like, you know, when, when, um, when uh, PUBG first came out, a lot of people were trying to do like the hiding, the wiener bathroom method as, as, as somebody our, once said, <laughs> giant bomb. by the yeah. way, one, can we get a little toast to uh, oh, yeah. giant, giant bomb? You know, we've, we've listened to podcasts, both of us for a long time and giant bomb has always been our favorite mm-hmm. podcast crew and um yeah. several of the og members left this week and that was really we've been talking about doing a gaming and drinking podcast for a long time and um them ending theirs kind of inspired ending us the, ending the beast cast ending the beast cast they're still the bomb yeah. cast but my like it's not the same without all the guys that have left and yeah. um it really inspired me to want to the how much it touched me like how much they have really been a part of my life as far as working and driving and what it's just such a part of my daily routine um that it inspired me to maybe maybe i mean hell who knows man maybe we'll one day be that for somebody and uh, if if i can it's been a very positive impact on my life and i think that if we can do that for somebody else i think that's really cool yeah, uh, I think that, you know, what they've meant to us is, is you know, pretty evident if you know Adam or I. Um, I always subject, you know, my girlfriends and things like that to <laughs> videos and podcasts and stuff like that. Um, but I think what, what even if you're not a gamer or a ginormous nerd like us, uh, there's something about those guys and the way they talk to each other that I think uh, is compelling as hell, regardless of if you are share their interests or not. And I think that's kind of what we want to try to, to um, bring to this table too, is I think that there's a, there's a way to do this kind of thing without being like uh, off-putting or, or, you know, gatekeeping or anything like that. And I think that's kind of where, what we want to do here. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so going back to the, you know, the Mary Kish thing, the, the Wiener bathroom method, <laughs> um, the, that idea of people sitting in a bathroom or, or sitting in a, a stall or something like that and waiting on someone to come you can't really do that in apex and it's almost entirely because of all these characters that they give you 
that says, hey. We've done not, it. I mean, I'm not going to lie. We've done it. Oh, we have. But I, I will always. <laughs> not on a regular I, basis, though. I, but if, if you go up against a team that knows what they're doing, you can't do it. Like, it's literally yeah. impossible. Um, but I will say, you, if you want to, you can. I, I do remember this one match that we had, and it's the only time I've ever had this happen before, and it was one of the coolest things I've ever seen. The team that we were fighting was below us. We had high ground. So in Apex, you will always want to get the high ground. Like, it's so advantageous to have the high ground. Um, and this team was below us, and they were in, like, a, a building that was, like, kind of tucked back. But they had a – uh, what's the electric girl? Watson. Watson. And she had her ult up which was a, but it was so pushed back in the room they were in and there was just enclosed, there was no other doors. It was just the one door and her alt, if you don't know, uh, doesn't let grenades go off. So it, it basically makes it all destroys grenades all projectiles, basically. Right. Except for good so, bullets. So, uh, we were just chunking grenades in there and like nothing was happening. We could not get these people out of there. We were wondering why. And then we realized they had a Watson and it was like, Oh shit. Like there's nothing, there's no way to flush them out without getting on the ground being at their level. So our height advantage had no, you know, we couldn't do anything with our height advantage. We had to engage them on the ground and uh, it, it did not work out for us at all. Um, There's it was a very, very exciting moment. Yeah. There are always different ways of getting, if you think you have the advantage of somebody changing it up and using one of the abilities of the characters to create their own advantage. Right. Um, so like it, for example, you were saying it's so important to have that high ground, but we got that high ground. It didn't mean shit. Um, It's so important to be the ones on the offense. But then like, if you've got, there are defensive characters, you, and it's not necessarily doing the wiener bathroom method, right? but you do have characters where you can fence off a room and make it to where they, you, they bring, you have to have the fight brought to you and have it fall on your terms. Um, And that's what, that's what they did there. Yeah. And um, I've done that. It's always fun too. Like if you, if you do that one time, me and Kyle, my brother were playing and I was Watson and he was caustic mm-hmm. and um, it was down to us and two other squads and both the other squads knew where we were. They didn't but know yeah, where yeah. each other were. Right. And they were both attacking us, mm-hmm. but like from two opposite sides, but we were underneath, um, I can't remember what the building's called. It was on World's Edge. Um, oh, I think I know which one you're talking about. But basically, Kyle had his traps everywhere. And then I had my my ultimate in the back. Um, and we held these two teams off for 10, 12 minutes. Um, mm-hmm. And I can't Did remember. Did they start fighting each other? No, dude. We We killed both of them. We oh, killed nice. individually. We killed. We killed both teams, nice. <laughs> like as they both came to us, and uh, it was really, really cool. So, like, but normally, I don't normally play Watson. Um, I think it was probably a, a challenge for the, for the uh, daily challenge or something. But yeah, uh, normally I like to play the mobility characters just because I have so much fun jetting around those maps and exploring and checking everything out. Seeing like, I like taking the characters and seeing. Can I get up there? Can I get up there? Which in 3v3 uh, killed you immediately. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so. yeah, I tend to do that sometimes just from my curiosity. Curiosity kills me quite uh-huh. a bit. Because yeah. like Adam is definitely the character or the guy that jumps off the map more often than not. Um, uh-huh. And says, can I cross this gap? Nope. Oh, well, at least I tried. <laughs> yeah, now I know that. <laughs> I'll never forget when we were going over that one um, thing and you, there was like the, the big uh, 
I guess tower like in the middle tower in the middle yeah and you were like i bet we can we'll just go right through that and <laughs> oh the laser at uh the harvester <laughs> yeah it just smacked boom, dead i was like and, it won't kill me if i fly through right now yeah yeah that was so funny um, um so yeah that's that's uh i think that's going to be we're going to do something with apex every week it might be like a five minute conversation it might be a 30 minute conversation depending on how um how it goes and how we want to do it um I think that's good for our our apex uh yeah. time so uh eventually you know hopefully we'll have some viewers on this thing we'll start getting some questions in but in the meantime um we are just going to have a couple topics and questions that we have for each other um yeah. and i know travis you said you had something what was your what was your question again uh so i wanted to talk about all right so at the beginning we talked about how um I kind of stepped away from console gaming for a while and became like a PC player. And it was mm. really the, the 360 era that brought me back into the fold. Um, and I think what was so exciting about that time. So if you, if you weren't around for the 360 era, I was uh, not, my first Xbox was the Xbox one. So you, but you, you had a PS3, which is the same, yeah. same yeah. thing. Same. So uh, that, that time period, uh, if you we were coming off of the, two, the, the, early 2000s and you know y2k and like all this other dumb shit and basically the internet was becoming a part of the gaming landscape um in a way that it definitely was not beforehand there was a broadband adapter for the ps2 but like most and for the gamecube and for the gamecube that's that's true um, <laughs> but most people didn't have that shit and the yeah. 360 was like the first online console and as a pc person like i'd already been playing games online but it was very exciting to have like i mean the three the, the dreamcast had an online aspect and all that stuff but it didn't really penetrate mainstream until it came to the 360 mm -hmm. and i think what was so exciting about the 360 era for me was new ips uh so we're talking about mass effect earlier the reason i bought a 360 instead of a ps3 is because mass effect and bioshock were both announced as 360 exclusives when the, that system first launched so if you wanted and i was a huge bioware fan and i was also a huge ken levine fan going back to the system shock days mm -hmm. and so i knew i wanted both of those games so i got a 360 instead of a ps3 at, i i got a three a ps3 eventually but um i got to that point where i, I had a 360 and i fucking loved the 360 i i played that console probably more than i played any other console in my entire life um and it really had a lot to do with the innovations they were bringing like i if you didn't come through in the 360 era it, there was the call of duty was a franchise on the pc but until call of duty 4 it really was not very mainstream I do modern was, warfare modern warfare 2 was a moment yeah, that was a modern warfare really like defined not only pc or like a console first person controller my little but, brother was like nine when that game came out and he was just starting to learn how to play it he thought he was good oh no it, you're, Parker, oh, Parker told his story and it sounded a little different when he told it but Dude, I used to beat the shit out of him, and it felt so good. He used to get so mad. It was like, <laughs> um, and like you know, we've got you, you had like you had like um Parker. I love you if you're listening, <laughs> but you're bad at Call of Duty. <laughs> um, we had like all this innovation. I feel like in the in that, that especially the start of the 360 era when you had Mass Effect, Bioshock. Call of Duty 4, which you, you put a 4 in that and it sounds like not as innovative, but honestly, Modern Warfare changed the landscape. Like, there's no denying that. Um, yeah. And, and you had just a ton of stuff that people had never really done before. 
uh, and it, it felt like a new era of gaming in a lot of ways. And I feel like as much as I love the PS4, I feel like it got away from that. Uh, and all we're seeing now is like franchises that have just continued. Now speaking of Call of Duty, like it's just Call of Duty every year. It's just, you know, you know, stuff like there's not been a lot of innovation. Maybe not a like, lot of you know, innovation on gameplay, but on storytelling. I think there has been. Mm, I mean, yeah, but with the I, third I, person, with third person action games, not not necessarily online stuff, but like God of War and Horizon Zero Dawn were a couple of the best stories I think told. And hell, Uncharted and Last of Us, like Uncharted started Last in PS3. So did so did Last of Us. That's true. That's true. But, but that's what I mean. Like those kind of games came up in that era. Yeah. And even God of War, as good as God of War was, the storytelling is pretty similar to the original God of War games. Um, yeah, think, just the characters sucked in the first ones. Yeah, no, a hundred percent. The God of War. I love. I love. I actually loved Kratos in those God of Wars. Oh, I did too. But he, I like, take Kratos has always been cool. Yeah. <laughs> I completely agree. People who are like, oh, Chris was an asshole. Like, yeah, of course he was an asshole, but he was, a, he was our asshole. <laughs> he was ripping Hermes' legs off. Yeah, that shit was great. Yeah. But even so, like, those games are very much a product of, like, God of War, the reboot. If you didn't have the history of God of War going into that game, it doesn't mean nearly as bad. Like, like, the moment when you get the, the, the Hades blade or the... Spoilers. Spoilers for a, a spoilers seven-year-old Spoilers for God game, of War. When you get the Hades blade, it's like... Three-year-old game. No, it's whatever. Either way, it's still it's still an old game. <laughs> it's not like we're spoiling Resident Evil. Um, yeah. Like when you get those blades, like if you haven't played those previous games, it has no impact on you, right? Like it's just you're like, oh, this is like a cool weapon, but like he's getting his original blades back, and like it's a fucking huge moment. But yeah. like, oh my what, god, what I'm I, saying is, like, oh, never mind. Sorry, I keep interrupting. Go ahead. <laughs> no, you're fine. What what I'm saying is like that. Like the 360 era and stuff like that, I, I feel like they brought like a ton of new IPs and stuff. Even like, so, so like, uh, you know, you, you mentioned Uncharted, like that kind of, where is the new Uncharted? You know, where is the new Mass Effect? Where is the, new, like, we've had stuff try to get off the ground, like Anthem kind of, you know, and then uh, what, 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 Andromeda? You, what uh, yeah, but that's still a continuation of Mass Effect. Like, where's the new games like that? You know, where's the new, franchises where's the new rpgs because like even skyrim i think is that is a continuation of bethesda's old style of gameplay and stuff, that's so. true but i do think the indie space has filled in that hole a lot yeah, um, i agree with that as because i i i can think of a ton of indie games that have cropped up that were nowhere like on anybody's radar but they also still don't have they're not selling millions of copies but for the people who really enjoy video games a lot like me and you um they fill that space where it's like where's the new ip yeah. like one thing that i've been what the fuck was that <laughs> <laughs> was that your record yeah that's my record that was the... <laughs> <laughs> i thought that might happen too because it was doing it earlier but i put like 17 sticky things on it so it wouldn't sticky fall. things no, I bought the like nice ones from Target that they're like supposed to be like super super good. <laughs> oh, that's good. I meant to warn you beforehand that this might happen, but I I forgot. So scared now. <laughs> I was I was looking behind me like what's good to know that that's still a possibility. That's good. Oh man, is that a 
Is that the Muse record back there? That's pretty hate machine. Ah. Um, but anyways, indie space. Yeah. That's that's where I that can, I completely UIP agree. I think that that's coming to play. I, I agree, and I think that that is true. But I also think that there's nothing quite like a indie games are are hamstringed by budget and things like that. You know, when you there's no indie game. I love indie games. I, I very much do. But like, there's nothing like the first time you played Uncharted or true. you know or a Mass Effect or something like that. Like Stardew Valley, for example is not going to give you the same type it's a very like compelling game but it's not going to give you the same type of you know gameplay experience that a bioshock did you know what i mean i i just feel like there's a little bit of from the mainstream guys like not from not from you know the indie space which i think is always doing incredible things but like from the guys who should be innovating your sony's and your microsoft's mm -hmm. whatever and i think we're gonna see some of that in the ps5 era i just you know that article came out recently where it was like Sony's working on 35 brand yeah, new PS5 exclusives. 20, 25 new 25, exclusives. And then over half of them are new IPs or something like yes. that. That's what Herman Hulse said. Um, but that makes me question how many of those are AAA and how many of those are like Like, an, like an Astrobot. Yeah. Um, yeah. But the thing is, you know, you're saying like the indie developers are hamstrung by, by budget and by scale. Um, it, uh, by that same flip token the triple a developers are hamstrung by corporate overlords and hamstrung by a board and you know all these yeah. different committees that it's kind of like making game making a game by committee like so, unless you're somebody like naughty dog or gorilla yeah then you're not going to have that creative freedom to make a triple a game that hits on so many levels because yeah. everything is everything has got to be focus tested and everything has got to pass every test before it gets greenlit like the um, last of us so, two would not have existed if if naughty dog had not proven that they could do what they've done you know seven times before that game like there's exactly. no way that the first uncharted would have been like last of us part two which regardless of how you feel about that game was definitely very ambitious and very like um, different than than any other mainstream game has ever been ever. So, um, what you do know. you how? What do you mean by that? Like just it, like Last of Us Part Two? Yeah. Like so, for you follow the, the idea. Oh, you mean you, take, you mean the twist, the, like two games in one type deal? Yeah, I mean Metal Gear Solid Two did that, you know, in two thousand and one, but which is also one of my favorite games ever, but also, but not to the extent you're talking about basically two 15 hour campaigns in in one, you know, one game, but more to not even, not even that part. What I more mean is the the subject matter, the, the, the idea of revenge being um, futile and, and, you know, that violence is a cycle and the way they hammer it home and they do definitely hammer it home. <laughs> uh, repeatedly, they go on and on and on about it. Um, but the way that they do and, and a lot of the other themes like the the fact that ellie is a lesbian and and um the fact that uh what's the other abby is abby. uh is like just very muscular and very uh masculine uh, kind of masculine but i think she's also very feminine in a lot of ways yeah but you would never see that type of like that type of character would not have been able to like sony never would have let them do that if they weren't naughty dog True. which i think is what you were getting at earlier yeah. um and you do see a lot of that kind of stuff in the indie space like you you know one of your big games is celeste 
and that game is is very much built on like uh, a lot of uh, themes that I don't think you would see in any mainstream game. Yeah. Um, so and also, it's a really they have really creative ways of approaching those themes as well. Mm-hmm. Like yeah. the way that Celeste, the whole game is one giant metaphor. They don't hit you over the head with anything, really. Right. It's um, the anti Last of Us part two. <laughs> yeah, it's literally, it's literally like the anti Last of Us as far as what the themes are and how they get that message across. Right. Um, the message is told through the gameplay and through the difficulty of the gameplay. Right. And um, through the repetitive nature of it and how like you keep dying over and over and over. And they expect that. Like literally in the loading screen between levels, it'll be like, be proud of how many times you died. It just means you're learning more. Right. And it's kind of like that Dark Souls approach yeah, and stuff. Yeah, but like it's more, I feel like it's more of an up, definitely more uplifting than Dark Souls. Yeah, but the way <laughs> but, that but it, like, it, it teaches you through death yeah, like Dark Souls does. Exactly. You, you learn every time you die in that game, it's never not your fault. Um, exactly just but but they they literally tell you in that game they encourage the they know you're going to start doubting yourself and they know that you're going to want to give up and they they do what everything they can to encourage you to keep going right um whereas in last of us it's like that game it's like shit just happens like, yeah. <laughs> like lots shit of shit just, happens shit just happens and <laughs> shit you, repeatedly happens over and, and over and you're again. just like I guess the world is just doomed. Like, yeah, and that's just, that's the way, that's the way that game is. And, it, and I, I'm kind of going on a tangent, but what I'm saying is that they're both great games and I think they both fill different holes. Um, like but as far as, like IPs, yes, love, love to fill the holes that are not filled in my soul. <laughs> Got to fill the boy's soul. Um, if you want that boy's hole. Uh-huh. But, uh, God, where the hell is, I'm getting drunk, dude. Um, um, uh, hey, let's, <laughs> let's, let's take a break. I got a few. All right. No, cut, wait. The, cut this out real quick. <laughs> last thing. Um, we were saying how the indie space is not, you're looking for new IPs and the indie space is filling that and it's filling it differently. And I think that, the creatives in the indie space should be just as respected and admired as the creatives in the AAA space, even though they're not as big, they're not as grand. um, They're not going to be as adored by millions of people just because of the things that you were talking about being hamstrung by, but that doesn't mean that they are any less games. And I like Celeste just as much as I like last of us. Yeah. My, my point wasn't about like respect or like how um, people, uh, view these games it's more that on the level that I feel like gaming sh- should be done um, that we used to get a lot of that from the mainstream side of it from the like big publishers and stuff like your Sony's and your Microsoft's and now we're getting that same type of fulfillment from the indie space even though I feel like there should be you should still be able to get like a new IP from you know the your 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 Sony's and your your I, one thing that I really like about what Microsoft is doing with this generation is they just bought a shit ton of studios and they're like make new make whatever you want and we'll we'll publish it like right like make whatever you want to do and it'll give us something that that Sony doesn't have and I think that's a really good approach because 
it, you don't want to just keep playing Assassin's Creed over and over again. You don't want to just keep playing Call of Duty. You don't want that. Like, even if the, even if you are getting some kind of fulfillment from your Celeste and from your, like, one of my favorite uh, indie titles is Rogue Legacy. I fucking love Rogue Legacy. It's one of my favorite games of all time. But it's still not the same as, like, the first time I played Dark Souls, right? Like, very similar type of games in a lot of ways. And I think, like, if you can get, I want the world where both are innovating, right? Like, it's not just the indie space that's innovating. Also, the mainstream guys are doing it too. And it's not that I, I think that those guys are super respected. I think that indie, type, indie devs are definitely super respected. But I would love to see, you know, I would love to see Sony or, you know, someone like that try something on the level of a Celeste, but with a bigger budget behind it or a bigger scope and, you know, all these other things. I think that we can exist in that world where that is also successful. And that's kind of what I'm getting at where in the 360 era, you know, Mass Effect or Bioshock, think about Bioshock, like now it's just a given, but like that was a huge risk at the time. Like nobody knew that that, that was based on a, a, a PC title that like a hundred thousand people had played, you know, System Shock wasn't exactly like a mainstream, you know, known thing. I never played System Shock. Right. Most people haven't. If you're, if you're not, if you didn't grow up on PC stuff and like for Bioshock to have hit the way that it did. Was Bioshock was based huge... on System Shock? It's Ken Levine's company. So he, he, uh he it's his it's the same thing so they call it the spiritual successor successor okay. so it's the same themes and stuff as, as system shock but with like a brand new coat of paint which is kind of what i'm getting at like why i want to see that kind of innovation where you take these themes from like other games and stuff but you give it like a new sheen like imagine celeste but as a mario platformer instead of a side scroll like a 3d mario right like that kind of budget is only given to like Mario and maybe Crash Bandicoot, you know, right? Like there's not a lot of 3D platforms being even made these days, but I think, but the ones that are, I feel like are big successes, right? Like you've got your, you've got your crashes, which was a huge success when Crash 4 came out. You've got your, every Mario game just like blows the fuck up. Where are all the rest the of the- Spyro platforms? reignited. Yeah, Spyro was huge. Ukulele like, didn't really hit. Yeah, but Ukulele wasn't as good as those games, you yeah. know, it, it's not, it, it is no, uh, mario it is no um any of those types of games like imagine if you did a new banjo kazooie like that would be fucking huge right like why is nobody doing that i don't i, I that's kind of what ukulele was supposed to be that was supposed right, to be but, much like bioshock and system shock supposed but to be. that was also a crowdfunded game you know what i mean like it's yeah. not it's not it's not the same as like microsoft saying here's a hundred thousand a hundred million dollars go make fucking banjo kazooie three or whatever right so yeah but anyways, hey, let's take a let's take our last break and then we'll get right back. Um, you know, come back and finish this up uh, yeah. in a few minutes. Sounds good. All right. Hello, hello, welcome back to Gaming and Drinking Cast. Um, so, this is episode zero, as I've repeatedly said, and um, I'm getting a little toasty. I'm really enjoying myself. <laughs> And uh, we've just got a little bit more stuff to go through. One of which um, we, we really, we're not your typical gaming podcast. We're not going to have like a whole big news segment, but if there is something that's kind of really intriguing and weird or funny that we think might be worth going over, we're going to do that. Um, And one thing that I saw that I thought was pretty ridiculous just as someone who has always followed the industry and just kind of seeing where E3 is going. Uh, This is just some really funny news in my opinion. Uh, Headline from E3. 
E3 2021 online portal and app details officially revealed. They had a press release. Um, and basically they're going to have like all these different digital spaces, like exhibitor booths, lounges, forums. Le- this is the one that had me cracking up leaderboards um, in, for E3 gamified show elements that be can be collected and displayed encouraging fans to interact in as many ways as possible right <laughs> that, that sounds horrible to me um <laughs> then profile creation but basically um it's some of it's interesting some of it's really weird we are in a very we're in a very uh learning place as far as just a, a generational and societal uh pivot point i think for humanity and this is just one one more little nod to that and um i think it shows where the direction that the whole industry is going to be going as far as these event goes because you've got you know you got these events that are like e3 and pax and gdc and all these other conferences that's like in-person events and always have been but now that we've had this damn pandemic for the last year and a half um people are really really having to change things up um where we should say that you have a bit of a background in uh live event space so yeah yeah i used to work for a live events company and we we used to put on a lot of events just like this and then i actually that was what i was doing before um on a on another note uh just a little bit more about me i used to do sales for a live events company where we would actually do all the media for these big live events and then COVID happened and um the live events industry pretty much dried up in the ma- in, in, a, in the matter of a week um i went from having a very good job to having no job right um and that's how a lot of people were in in that industry um so the live event industry is still figuring out how- yeah they're still figuring it out and like e3 they're doing what the e just that this is e3 to begin with is one funny thing because e3 has been back against the ropes swinging for the last like three years in a row they just cannot get their fucking act together Um, yeah uh, i think it it should be said like with a lot of you know for for adam and i growing up e3 was kind of like christmas time usually like you would get all the new announcements you would get all the new like trade deals things like that and you really only got that stuff back in the 90s through through print magazines and then as the 2000s came around, you kind of got it in websites and things like that. And now eventually it got to the point where they were just live broadcasting the E3 uh, press conferences to, right to your living room. Which was um, the coolest thing when they started doing was, that. Which was awesome. But E3, now that no matter what, ha- like Nintendo really fucked things up when they started doing the treehouse stuff because they uh, basically had an outlet right to their fans where they didn't need E3 anymore. And other companies like EA and Microsoft and Sony especially saw that and they stopped doing the big E3 things. Two years ago, Sony stopped doing it. They haven't been back since and they're not gonna be at this thing um, because they know that they can just talk directly to their consumers and they can you know, get the same message across without any of the other competition. Without having E3 to pay brings. a quarter million dollars for and, and without having to pay that shit ton of money. But what I think is super exciting about what E3 is, is that it is a time when people who maybe don't pay attention to this stuff all the time, they do pay attention. You'll get an article in the post, you'll get an article in the times, you'll get like 
you know, USA Today, you know, does like an E3 segment. Um, and I think that stuff is cool because it, it brings the, you know, the industry that we love to the forefront in a way that it normally is not. Uh, so I think E3 still has value in that, but they're really figuring out what that means uh, in the current generation and the current way that we're doing things. And I, I, I think that this is maybe not the way I have, to go I have about a suggestion. it. I have a suggestion. <laughs> okay. Roll the clip. What the? Why? Why do you need a gamified? That wait. Let me let me just read this part again. Okay. Leaderboards. Uh huh. Gamified show elements that can be collected and displayed, encouraging fans. Dude, they are so they are so all about like the metadata and what and the KPIs or KPIs for this show are like you should explain what that is to people who key performance indicator yeah. like so they're going to be looking at like how many people clicked on this banner and how many people clicked right. on that and they dude this is all a giant money data collection money making operation and data collecting operation for them because every click that someone does on one of those leaderboards on something somebody that's putting a dollar in somebody's pocket right and um but if we really wanted to get to the brass tacks of what the fans want, nobody gives a shit about any of that. What All anybody wants is just... The trailers. <laughs> show me the fucking trailers. You know, yeah. give me an interview or something. Um, maybe, maybe at the most, the, the most interaction I would like to be able to have is to ask a dev a question or right. ask... Which uh, doesn't happen at E3. It's not that kind of show uh it doesn't i mean like if you want that you go to gc you, you can get a direct maybe not a dev but more like a creative director or something like that you have the you have the faces of the ip yeah they get there. up on stage and they give their presentation but it's not like a gc where yes. they might give a talk or something like that like it's, yes. it's not the same thing it's only the privileged um, few that get to have those conversations with them afterwards right and that's the business stuff that even e3 is not really you know they, they talked about this a lot on like the bombcast and like a lot of other podcasts where what E3 used to be, especially back in the 90s and 2000s, was like a, a trade show where people made business deals and stuff like that, right? Like people were making deals back then. That's not, I mean, it probably happens a little bit now, especially for indie devs and stuff, but you're not, like Sony's not going and scouting, you know, the next AAA thing at E3, right? Like they've, they've got those already no, the, six years in advance. Like they're not yeah. doing that anymore. So I think the value of that part has been lost. So E3 has been struggling to try to pivot and figure out what they are if they're not this you know trade show because they were not consumer focused we should say that like right now they were I not honestly, consumer focused until like a couple of years ago they didn't even let the public in until a couple dude years i i honestly this app thing to me it just reeks of desperation oh yeah like stinks yeah. to high heaven with desperation because like it's it's nothing that just putting it on the uh, an e3 site wouldn't yeah. do or p embedding some video on some other site wouldn't do they are trying to mon monetize this in every single way possible which honestly i can't say i blame them no i just they're, they're, don't they're, i they're, because they have been they have been struggling so hard in the yeah. last few years especially like after the data leak and then after Honestly, last year might have saved their asses, to be completely it, honest. Well, I think it 100% did, because they got an extra year to try to figure this shit out. But this is what they came up with, so. 
you know, maybe it doesn't. <laughs> it just, it, it, it reeks of desperation, man. And I hope that going forward that this is not what well, if E3 you, is. If you recall, before the pandemic hit, they had that, like, online, when I say online, I mean literally on the line where people are waiting to play, like, the kiosk and stuff. They had, like, the online engagement Oh, what were stuff. the, oh, engagements, yes, the engagement. So, yeah, it was, like, engagements per thing. We so, got to like, engage them, dude. They need to be right. engaged, like, 12 times yeah. in between Starbucks and McDonald's. Like, yeah. they, <laughs> and I'll, I'll never forget, like, the, um, the guys uh, at E3 talking about how, like, there was like gamer gummies and like all the, like basically all the, the kiosks that used to be uh, companies like small companies, like, you know, your, your coes and your, and your uh, grasshoppers and your stuff like that. Now they're booths of like people selling shit, like, you know, people selling gamer gummies or gamer fuel, like the powder that you put <laughs> in your shit. So like, keep going. Like, like now that's what that has become. It's like this, it's it, like for, if you're not from South Carolina, well, actually you probably might know this is if you're not from South Carolina, but it's become the Myrtle beach of, uh, of, of game trade shows and where people are just constantly barking God. at you trying to get you to cut. <laughs> I mean, that's what it is, right? Like it's, it's, <laughs> it's this like, it's this the constant Myrtle beach of game trade shows. It's, yeah. the, it's this constant barrage of like people saying like, and honestly, with me, I'm super, with I'm super down with that because usually that means free merch. And I don't know if you can tell, I like merch. Um, like dra I go to dragon con every year in Atlanta and that's half of dragon con is people just selling you shit. And you can, you can definitely do it in a way that I feel like is tasteful and, and, and fun. This is not, this is not, and this is not, this is a hundred percent. This is not. And yeah. I think there are ways to do what they want to do with this trade show but this ain't it right like yeah. <laughs> and i think until they figure out how to do the in-person stuff they're not going to figure out the app stuff right like so they basically had to like skip the well, in-person stuff and yeah be like, here's an app here's a and, and and if you remember before this came out they were thinking about charging people just for access to the yeah. app stuff that they're talking about right here which yeah. is never gonna work nobody because if they, they would have anyway. done that oh my god i cannot imagine the reaction that well, everyone would have just streamed it illegally it, it's game you're not talking about people that don't know how to fucking use the internet right like so you're yeah. talking about the most tech savvy people on the planet they're going to find a way to stream this stuff without signing up for your dumbass fucking you know program they're, they're still going to yeah. do it and hey on a on a side note speaking of like tech people that like to just do dumb stuff. Um, so my neighbor, um, who's a great guy, really, really tech savvy guy. Um, me and him go to the same uh, salon to get our haircut. Yeah, I said salon. I get my haircut at a salon. That's yeah, it's wasn't. great, dude. Yeah. It's great. She's she, her name's Daily. She's really cool. Daily's Daily. hair Daily's D A L E A. Mm -hmm. Her Daily's hair collective. Uh -huh. Find her on Instagram. She's awesome. Uh -huh. um, Anyways, free plug, free plug for daily. We're gonna give them that that uh, gaming and drinking bump, you know. Yeah, that. Game. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, dude. Yeah, dude. You're getting all the followers. But um, anyways, so that salon is really cool. It's called Do or Die Hair Collective, and um, but Trevor went in there, and it's like super, super hip. Like everyone in there is just like super cool. Like you better walking into like a New York bar or something. Basically, and um, Trevor went in there and he's like, "Dude, by the way, Adam, if you ever go in there, just so you know, 
their their audio system that they have pumping through the whole thing is all Bluetooth enabled. So if you want to like overtake, you just like over like override dude, it. He went in there. He said he went in there and started playing Creed earlier today. Oh my god, that's so awesome! <laughs> so my my and he, no, listen, people. listen, listen, listen. He's, he's like, um, he's like, uh, the guy's name is Graham that owns it. He's like, what the hell is this? And he's like, Graham, you want me to play some Nickelback? Oh, and he's like, he's like, no, I'm down he's with like, the creed, but not Nickelback. And, and, and Trevor's like, Trevor's like, dude, you really shouldn't have this just on an open, open network like this. You should. And he's like, well, you should just be a good person. <laughs> and he's like, hard to argue with that. <laughs> he's like, he's like, here's what I'm gonna do, Graham. He's like, I'm gonna get you a. He's like, I'm gonna, I'm gonna get you a Creed poster for Christmas this year. <laughs> and uh, and he goes, he's he goes, how about we go back to the old tradition where we don't get each other anything. <laughs> That's for sure. like we both like that better anyways so, so next time i go in there i gotta figure out some terrible band to blast uh barbie barbie girl or um blue okay blue, blue but i feel like blue in a salon is probably gonna be a big hit so <laughs> <laughs> uh, but uh yeah we there, my gym has the same thing where they just have these open bluetooth sources that you can connect to because i always connect to my headphones when i go work out and I'm like looking at it. It's, it literally just says like PF Planet Fitness, you know, one, two, three, four, which is their TV system that's like Such right a above it. Bad you. idea. And I'm like, I could literally do just some porn right here if I wanted to. <laughs> I'm not going to, right? But like somebody you that is text start playing like really like awkward videos of just like unsettling stuff. Like I was thinking about doing um like some like slow jazz, like, like Kenny G style stuff, <laughs> like just some like. <laughs> The most like basically baby making music like in the middle of the gym. I think that would go over really well. Yeah, but I, think I haven't. So. I haven't. Uh, I haven't gone down that path yet. But I've thought about it a lot. See, our I, brains I, go in totally different directions. I was thinking more like time lapse videos of a plant rotting. Uh, yeah, I can see because people would people would probably be like into that. They'd be like, "What is this?" They'd be, you know, like, they'd be like, "What is just like?" Have you ever seen that episode of The Office? Do you watch The Office? I have. Yeah. You know the episode where Gabe is like showing the cinema of the unsettling? <laughs> <laughs> it's like start like just like cheese yeah. rotting yeah. and like yeah. Yeah. wax melting. And yes. Stuff. That that is that sometimes, is the kind of... sometimes the fact that there's a plot is uh what is is comforting <laughs> is, or something. Right. Like. He's got a point. As as somebody I that, that I know took the same media classes that I did, he's yeah. got a point. Yeah. <laughs> Oh my god, we can talk about fucking media classes all day and how useful those things are. Yeah. Uh, but anyways, um, uh, e, yeah, E3 E3 uh, app is dumb. I'll be down let's, and let's I will be downloading it. Let's cut it there. I need to get another beer. Okay. All right. Um, all right. So welcome back again to the gaming and drinking cast. Uh, if you've noticed, we take a lot of breaks. That's because. We drink a lot of beer on this podcast. And <laughs> we probably, have to pee. Yeah. So that's just, the, you know, if you, if you don't like breaks, go somewhere else. We, yeah, t- we, we, beer. we, we pee around here. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, oh anyways, oh <laughs> Travis, what is this new fancy beer you got there? Uh, this is, God, I hate my, I got to get a new light set up. Um, mm-hmm. This is Edmonds This is a lemon meringue sour. Ooh. So Edmonds is known for their sours. I, honestly, I think most of their sours kind of taste the same. So I'm not like a huge fan of their sours. 
but this one came highly recommended by my southbound rep who I, I actually rep um she was like please try this she actually brought this to me because she wanted me to try it so bad i have not had this yet so uh, okay i like edmonds they've got I, I i like edmonds as a place i just think that some of their sours are kind of samey um yeah and this is one of their sours but this is the one that she said that is like really actually this is a blondale according to this can so maybe it's not a sour um you're full of shit sir apparently i am i'm just going by what my rep said apparently she doesn't know what she's talking about <laughs> you, better, uh, you need to call her out let's let's timestamp she already, she already knows that i'm wearing her shirt on this podcast so <laughs> Time stamp it. We're going to quote her uh, and then tell her how she made you look like a fool. <laughs> oh, yeah. She's going to be very, very happy about that. <laughs> Smell pretty good? It smells good. Yeah. I love, I love blondes, too. So this is, I love blondes. <laughs> uh, so this is right up my alley. Uh, nice. Well, that's. Is that's it sour? Pretty. It is sour. It is really sour, actually. Um, it's brewed with lactose, with lemon, and vanilla. So it's okay. basically brewed like sounds, a sour. Yeah, sounds like a sour. Okay. Um, it's delicious. It is very, very good. So um, let's see. Uh, da, 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 da. What else do we have to, to talk about? Are we, do, do you want to wrap it up or do you want to? Let's go into the, um, the questions stuff. So okay. I think normally in this time we would, if we ever get to the point where we yeah, have who knows? If we got people some emailing fans, us. <laughs> hey, by the way, gaminganddrinking at gmail.com. Uh, that's, that's the email address. Gaming, letter N, drinking at gmail.com. You can also send them to us on Twitter at gaminganddrinking, on Instagram, same thing. Yeah. Uh, all across the social verse is just gaminganddrinking and gaminganddrinking yeah. and drinking at gmail.com. Send us any question. Anything doesn't have to be about games. Anything, um, literally, we're, what we're all about. I, it. I just want somebody to reach out and say what's up. So if you just want to say, <laughs> "Hey, like what you're doing," hate okay. it. honestly, even if you yeah. hate what I'm doing and want to tell me how terrible it is, you can um, do that too. Either one. Um, we, yeah. we we welcome all feedback. Any and all. all feed all feedback, all questions. Um, I've got a question for you, Travis. What is okay. your favorite game, and why is it Zelda Breath of the Wild? <laughs> right, well, Zelda Breath of the Wild is one of my favorite games, but that is not it. Uh, yeah. okay. I actually have uh, three favorite games. One is Final Fantasy IV, which was two in the States. It is uh, probably... Was that on NES? SNES. It was, it was SNES. two on the SNES. Um, it was the first... I played Dragon Quest, or Dragon Warrior, uh, as it was called in the States, on the NES, and that got me into RPGs when I was a kid. And then my my great aunt actually had Final Fantasy II uh, on her. She played games. She was, I mean, this is you're talking like a 70 year old woman in 1991 uh, who was like, <laughs> "Come play this video game." And I I played so many weird RPGs at her house that I it's like bizarre for me to even think about like this woman existing at this time. Like who who I can't even imagine a 71 year old woman playing video games now, let alone back in 1991. That's um, awesome. I know it was very cool. She's an amazing woman. Um, and I played Final Fantasy II at her house. And it. Can I tell you about a similar situation? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so when I was a kid, Kyle and my cousins used to pick on me incessantly. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and uh, so while they were all out playing basketball and Wrestling. beating the crap out of each other mm -hmm. and 
trying to beat the crap out of me because I was the smallest. Instead, I would go upstairs at my aunt's house and just play their computer games. And she had fucking Jazz Jackrabbit, baby. So you are kind of a PC gamer. I that oh my god. That's Cliff. That's you know that that's Cliff Lazinski's first game. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I realized that like a couple weeks ago. And he I was, was like, like a child prodigy programmer. Dude, Jazz Jackrabbit was the shit. I played yeah. that in Snake and Dig Dug, and that was it. Dig Dug, Dig Dug, also kind of a console game, but that's also it was an arcade game, so it's yeah. it a little different. But anyways, keep um, going. I'm sorry. I didn't... No, you're good. That was that was a good <laughs> that was a good side tangent. I like I love Jazz Jackrabbit. Yeah. Um, so I started playing um, Final Fantasy two there. And I played it all the way through. I, I bought the cartridge later on, played it all the way through. And I bought literally every version of it that exists. Like I bought the DS version that they've remade the graphics and everything. I bought the SNES version. I bought the Steam version. I bought the remake that came on the PSP that came with the After Years, which was like the sequel, which is terrible. Don't, don't fucking play that because it sucks. Um, and I, I, that, that game is just, it is everything I want from a video game, like the leveling up system, the story, the everything is, is so good. Um, also, Bioshock, which we've talked about on this podcast before. Uh, great game. God, just such a, such a great game. <laughs> um, it basically took Metroidvanias, put it in a first-person first shooter, um, and just melded it with this incredible story. Uh, and my other favorite game of all time is Metal Gear Solid 2, which I feel like in this day and age, is a lot more respected, but like back when that game came out, people fucking hated it. They really hated, what? yeah, they hate because you don't play a snake. Um, so the entire, the, so they, I don't know, you probably weren't around for this, but Ooh. they really, they really you hear that? that. Is that your back? That was my back. Yeah, that was. Dude, that was I need a better. I need a better chair. I've gotten. I haven't had a backrest in like three. Dude, hours. this this gaming chair. The shit. I I I thought gaming chairs were garbage. So is this. Beforehand. Yeah, that doesn't look very comfortable. Um, oh God, yeah, my back's hurting. Anyways, sorry. But I um, so I played. Uh, there, there was a demo that was released of Metal Gear Solid Two, and Metal Gear Solid. If you didn't live through that era, one of the most influential games of all time. It was it was like playing a movie before there was anything like what we have nowadays. Like the Metal Gear Solid for the time period was insane. Metal Gear Solid Two was maybe the most hyped game to I, be released i loved it i didn't understand i was too young to understand like the implications that that game had the broader themes yeah and also just the ramifications for what it meant for the future of gaming you mean solid or solid two either one okay. like i i solid two which one God. playstation one was solid one solid two was playstation two okay so solid, it had the solid, solid two one. was solid one then I don't think I played Solid 2. So Solid um, 2 opened on the Golden Gate Bridge where Snake is like running across. He jumps off. His coat comes off. The E3 trailer for that was like the most hype moment. I think at being a young kid that I've ever remember. I say young kid. I was like 16 or 17 at the time. Um, that I remember in gaming like ever. Like people lost their fucking. Do you remember the Space World show where they showed the adult Link in 3D? Um, uh, like right after... Um, it was when they were launching the 64. No, no, no. I, dude, game, I didn't follow. I honestly, I didn't follow it. Like I said, um, 64 is where I really even started to even develop a taste in games. Was, I didn't it was, have any, was, I didn't have any knowledge of any kind of industry and in, information at all. It was the GameCube demo from Space World, like 1999. Okay. And it was, it was like post Ocarina 
But you know, in Ocarina, Link spends most of his time as a kid. Mm-hmm. This was like showing an adult Link, like battling Ganon, and people lost their minds over. People were like crying in the audience, and then they released, <laughs> and then they did Wind Waker instead, and people were super pissed about it. Like, Dude, Wind Waker's it, so cool, though. It is so great, but like, um, like back then, people were so fucking mad about it. Um, this was kind of like that. This 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 game had that kind of cachet was behind it. Twilight it. Princess after that. Yeah, Twilight Princess was after Wind Waker. That's when they did the adult link. Like, they were like, oh, we'll give you what you want. Nobody, like, even fucking liked that. Game. I liked Twilight Princess. I do, too. I love Twilight Princess. Dude, but I, like, I, I think... People talk so much shit about Twilight Princess. It does not deserve People talk shit about Skyward Sword. Guess what? I'm getting that fucking Skyward Sword remake when it comes out, because that game looks fucking awesome. I, I never, never played, played it. I never played it either. I played it the played first... It. I played the first few hours of it, and it was all tutorial, and I was like, fuck this game. Are you so, going to play I'm, motion controls? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. Oh, I am. No, no way, no. <laughs> nope. Um, so anyway, Metal Gear Solid 2, uh, I feel like people now, they love it because it's part of the canon, but like back then it was a very controversial game. But when I played that game for the first time, it blew my fucking teenage mind out of the back of my brain. And I have loved everything that Kojima has done since. Um, so those are my, those are my top three. What are what about you? What are you what are you doing with your top your top gaming games? Honestly, I really haven't given it any thought. Um, <laughs> but uh, off the top of my head, I can tell you that obviously, you know, Zelda Breath of the Wild, and I've been saying all night how it's my favorite game of all time. And honestly, it probably is, but I think a lot of my thoughts on it right now are colored by the fact that I've been balls deep in that game for a moment. Yeah, it's fresh. It's the it's the fresh syndrome. Um yeah, so if I had to think about like I, I like such a large swath of games um that it's really hard for me to narrow it down. But if I had to think about games that have taken up the most of my time, mm-hmm. um I think Diablo three is one of those which I know is kind of weird, might be controversial, whatever. I love I think most people love Diablo 3 nowadays. Um, it's, it's a phenomenal game. It's something that I can sit down and play for as short or as long as I want and still feel like I'm getting something done. Right. Um, that's a big part of what makes me like a game is I don't have all the time that I used to where I could sit and play a game for hours and hours and hours. Right. <laughs> I've got limited time. I, I need to be able to get in, get some shit done, and get out and feel like I did something and feel like I can move on from that the next time I jump in. Right. Or I just need a game that I can do the same thing over and over in. Like Where Apex. It's like Apex, exactly. Yep. So um, I think Breath of the Wild, really, though, is probably my number one. And as far as number two, uh, as far as time that I put in, Super Smash Brothers Ultimate. <laughs> I love it. Yeah, that's that's a great game. I play the hell out of that game. I've put uh, almost, I think, 400 hours into it, which which is kind of weird for just a fighting game where you just same round, same things. I always do the uh, play on the Omega stage with three minutes uh, stock. So it's not even like playing the story mode or anything. No, dude. The story, honestly, people talk how great the uh, Imbe- spirits Imbe- and all that shit is. Yeah, I tried it. Fuck it. I really don't care about it. Did you? Did you get into the embassy? Um, emissary. What was that thing called in, oh, in melee? The, yeah, yeah. The, the, the emissary 
station or starlight emissary or some shit something like that 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 was that was actually pretty cool and the yeah i watched a breakdown of the story that one time and i was like this shit is fucking nuts like (laughs) the thing is like the the 2d platforming of that is kind of fun like some of those levels and if they would have done more of that type of like like what they did with because they basically turned ultimate combat right like the way they do the more combat story well no with yeah i mean with ultimate um the spirit board is basically um you've either like got mario party spirit, like a mario party board <laughs> yeah basically it's basically a oh, mario that sounds party, terrible it's a mario party board where they tell you that you're fighting a character like say it'll be like oh you're fighting uh shit i don't know you're bowser yeah, it'll be like you're fighting Bowser, but it'll really be it'll be Bulbasaur just blown up with like some oh kind yeah, of weird ability. Yeah, so yeah, yeah, I know what you mean. Um, so it, say it'll be like it'll be like you're fighting Kratos this round, but it's really you're fighting Ryu, and he's got some kind of like buff right. that make him yeah. give him some kind so, of so aspects of Kratos. Yeah, I um, and that's and, like there's like there's like. There's hundreds, there's hundreds or thousands of them yeah yeah and um yeah, that doesn't sound nearly as compelling as like an actual story mode yeah and then uh every now and then you'll get these 2d 2d platforming stages but it's literally the same stage over and over yeah that doesn't um, sound good so all i do is i go online and i play the 1v1 stock but i've played enough 1v1 stock that i've racked up almost 400 hours in that game so you play um, online against other people? Yeah. Oh, yeah. nice. Um, all the time. Like, dude, when I lay in bed before I go to bed every night, play a few games of Smash. So you're saying when I when I play you next in Smash, when I dominate you, it's going to be very embarrassing. Murder you. <laughs> I, you talk all this shit. Listen. We we I'm all gonna put it on the podcast right now. We all we ter- all know. everybody. Listen here, brother. <laughs> You're gonna come down to Smashville, and it's gonna be. <laughs> <laughs> and that's our special guest for the night, Macho Man. Macho Man, Randy Savage. Randy Savage. <laughs> Ooh, that was a little New England accent on the end there. <laughs> um. God damn it. Where was I? Going? Oh, but no, what I was saying was you used to talk so much shit about Mortal Kombat. And then we played Mortal Kombat and I beat you like a Pretty sure I beat you every single dog. time that we played. Oh, God. <laughs> You're so wrong. I was talking to Sean about this the other day. And uh, he was like, yeah, dude, I remember that. You did beat the, sh- you- you the show, Travis, but he-, he always said he won. <laughs> Pretty sure that I won every single one of those. So. I don't know. No, because I remember I played Cetrion. And you got so mad. Oh, yeah, you, you were such because... a bitch, Cetrion. That's right. <laughs> I do remember that now. Because all of her moves are zone moves. Yeah, I hate all zoning characters. I hate zoning characters. So, Fuck like, me. you'd be like, quit doing that move. And I'd be like, okay, switch to the rock pound. Switch to the lasers. Switch to the ice. And... That's right. Well, so for one of our gaming and drinking features, we'll do a Smash Brothers uh, one-on-one. And uh, like you guys that. can see who wins this uh, this particular. You gotta buy Smash about. first. I'll just play yours. You'll bring it down when you come. Ooh. Next time you come in town. I like it. It'll be it'll be like a big anniversary episode. You know when we have like a bunch of followers by then. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um. All right. So I have a question for you. Then. 
So we've been in quarantine for the past, you know, year or so. Mm -hmm. uh, some of us have, at least. Um, and a lot of us have been, you know, drinking and, and doing this stuff on the outside. I have discovered a bunch of stuff that I probably never would have tried if it weren't for in quarantine, uh, particularly when it comes to beer and um, stuff like that. So I wanted to know what your favorite beer is that you've discovered or, or any other kind of drink that you've discovered while we've been in here. Okay. Um, yeah. So I like you and a huge beer nerd. I'm, I honestly, I'm jealous of the fact that you get to, like just discover new beer all the time. I think that's a really cool aspect of your job. Um, Very cool. I get to do that when I go spend twenty dollars on a four pack. That's what I. That's, yeah. that's when I get to do it. Uh -huh. But um, so I haven't been able to do it as much. But there is one brewery in particular that I have discovered that I freaking love, and they're called Hidden Springs Ale Works, and it's in Tampa. And much like Wicked Weed, they are mm -hmm. they specialize in sours, and it's a very small one. Um, but I feel like Wicked Weed was a really with their sours, they didn't have a whole lot of like lactose and sugar in there. Their their stuff was before that era, like the new yeah. era of lactose. Like and lactose is in everything, now, dude. So. I I really like I love Hidden Spring, and there's one called Riot Juice, which I actually pulled up the uh, profile of it. It's a sour ale with blackberry, lime, vanilla, and lactose. That sounds really good. It's really, really damn good. Um, and the cans, like one thing, I'm a huge sucker for like a beer with a good, beer. good, good can art. <laughs> Dude, give me a cool label and I'll buy yeah. it. I don't yeah. give a shit. Yeah, 100%. Um, <laughs> but like all the Hidden Springs labels um, are really neat. Uh, the Riot Juice is like this really like almost – that color pinkish purple oh yeah yeah but it's got like all these cartoony like lasers and pizza and all this other like rockets and all this looks shit like all an over. 80s ninja turtle cartoon all this Dude, yeah it's it's it looks like shitty tattoos uh <laughs> all over the can <laughs> like, like a florida florida man's tattoos yes uh, but on the cans speaking of which this is just uh -huh. me spitballing here I was thinking maybe a Florida man segment of the week where we just oh, yeah. highlight, highlight some, some stupid Florida shit. Florida shit. Like the, the, the cheese grater truck you found the other day. Oh yeah. That was actually in Georgia, but. Oh yeah. You were in Georgia. I it would that. work, dude. Oh my God. That truck. The Carolina squad is like the worst thing that's ever that's, happened. Then. That's the thumbnail. For this. <laughs> that's, that's the thumbnail for this one. hundred percent. Um, uh, yeah. But yeah, so Hidden Springs, Riot Juice, that's probably my favorite one that I've discovered since then, since quarantine. But you know, nice. living in Florida, uh, uh -huh. got a lot of breweries down there. Quarantine has not really existed here at yeah. all. Same, same here in Columbia, South Carolina. Um, I mean, we've, we've done it ourselves, but right. I, I haven't really experienced it the way I, I know people in California and New York and like the more liberal states have. Right. Um, and oh, that's self-imposed too. Like there have been places open in those places, but Pete, some people just choose not to. And so yeah, but um, yeah, I, it, it has been a hard year, and I'm really glad to see it coming out. And I'm I'm glad we're doing this. Um, 
but yeah one of my favorite memories from quarantine when it first started was when we did that that uh that zoom call oh when i did the cards against humanity thing yeah that was so yeah. much fun like so much fun I'm why really didn't we do that anymore because we couldn't get anyone else to do it nobody wanted we to had get some... it. We, we had did a you talk time. to anybody no you talked to him it was who was it it was me it was all of your friends and then like austin and sean or no austin and wesley i thought um, we had it was a bunch of your friends because i didn't know half the other people that were there okay but they yeah, were super we cool and we had a great time like i had so much fun yeah, we should do that again. That was fun. Okay, that gaming was drink first... segment this time. Yeah. Gaming and drinking. Yes. So for anybody, that, obviously for everybody who has no idea what the fuck we're talking about, um, there was an, a, a webpage where you could basically do an cards online against Cards Against Humanity, and we all got on a uh, Google Zoom Hangout. Oh, yeah, Google, Google Hangout. Hangout because right. Zoom, yes. dude, we're broke. The only Zoom we're doing is two people or less. <laughs> <laughs> um but kind of, the kind of experience you can expect when it comes oh, yeah. to gaming and drinking. High quality content. That's it. Um, but no, we Google Hangouts. You could have we had I think like eight or ten people in there playing Cards Against Humanity. We did. It was super and, fun. Yeah, we should do that again. I hadn't even thought about that since we did it. Yeah, that was so much fun. Well, um, no, we tried. We tried to do it again, and then nobody like signed up for it. So yeah, I think people had like their month of quarantine that like everybody did that like march or april whatever month everybody was. was terrified that they would never see anybody again you're right so they everyone did that first month and then like and then it became kind of especially in our states like south carolina and, and florida where you know it wasn't really that much of a lockdown for the lockdown we um, had about a month where it was yeah and even still like i was working the entire time and i know you were too um like i was I, working I, for i no, dude that was when i got laid off Oh yeah, you was but you went back to the roofing thing too. Yeah, but I still we weren't doing anything in person. Yeah, that's that's true. I never stopped, so I never had that like moment of like actual quarantine where I never left the house or anything. Um, so I I like basically been around people the entire time, but I do know that that. But also like even still like talking to people in public is not the same as talking to your friends, and that that particular hangout was like one of the coolest things that happened during all of my quarantine but also like right when i think all of us needed it when we needed like yeah, some human interaction it, it was really cool because i really the reason i did it was because i felt hopeless and i wanted to see that even if we're stuck i didn't have any idea what if it was going to be an indefinite quarantine if we were like if the fucking plague was here i was terrified and my thing was I wanted to have something to show that even if we are all stuck in this horrible situation, we can still get together and we can still do something social and it's not going to be as bad as you think. Cause I was right. so scared shitless and it turned out so damn good. It was it great. Did. I wish we, I wish we had like a hard copy of that. Cause I yeah. think it's super funny and super good. Yeah. Um, I'm glad that, that we can still do that kind of stuff because that, that was incredibly fun um but going back to so th this this podcast i feel like is kind of freewheeling and i think that we want to do like the stuff which is not just gaming focused so we'll do this this kind of segment right here but i do want to go back to gaming before we end it out yeah i think we should wrap it up soon we're uh we're on three hours now sweet that's the way I like it. <laughs> um so last last thing to end it with and I feel like this is a good question to end it on. Um, 
this this year has been weird and last year was also super weird but there are some pretty big heavy hitters coming out in the next couple of months uh what are you most excited for when it comes to video games and, and what we're going to see from them for the rest of the year i don't think you're ready uh, probably i probably am ready not for this I, don't, I don't think i'm ready for your jelly black myth wukong oh fuck yeah dude <laughs> yes that's that, that game is it yes, looks absolutely. so fucking good yo i don't know if you're not even like i'm a dark souls fan so but i mean i'm I, there are souls like games that i enjoy let me see if there's even a release date for that yet i don't think there is because i think it's like like one guy in china like developing it right 2023 <laughs> is when yeah, they're so um so as far as games for this year well first of all i need to get a ps5 or an xbox series x once i do that then um i think i'll be really it's wide open then i think ratchet and clank uh ripped apart will probably be my number one just because i really like i'm really uh, interested in seeing that PS5 hardware get tested yeah. to the extreme, and I think that that game is going to do that and going to showcase it really well. Um, I think that's the hope for sure. And also, Ratchet and Clank, the one from 2018, I think. Yeah, the remake. Yeah, the remake. I think it was 2018. That one, I really, really, really enjoyed that game. I thought it was gorgeous. I've always been a giant pixar nerd and i felt like i was playing a pixar game and so if they can take that even to the next level then um i'll be really really stoked for that so that's as far as realistically i think ratchet and clank is probably my number one most anticipated game this year awesome um what about you sir uh so i think a lot of the stuff that i was anticipating has been delayed uh into the next couple years like clearly final fantasy 16 would be very up there for me, but that's definitely not coming out oh, this year. Yeah, dude, 15 was so good. People talk shit about 15. 15 is great. 15 was great. I put so I put, many hours in it. I put game. over 100 hours into 15. Same, same. Um, and God of War 2 slash 5, whatever you want to call it in the reboot verse, um, definitely would be up there, but that, there's no way that game's coming out this year. So I think my number one is probably Horizon Forbidden West. Um, I love the original Horizon. The game is it, it unfortunately came out at the same time as Zelda Breath of the Wild, uh, which, you know, no games can compare to that. But if you wanted a more story focused and like more uh, lucky for me, I lost of, Zelda Breath of the Wild and so I, played, played through I played Horizon. <laughs> um, I also played through Horizon then, or Horizon, Horizon. <laughs> I played through Horizon then. Um, played through Horizon too. Fuck Horizon. I used to yeah, have Horizon there. Oh. I still have Horizon, but um, just... uh, but I love the original Horizon, and I think Aloy is a fantastic character. And I oh, can't she's wait cool, to see. Dude. I can't wait to see what they do. Especially, I know it's coming on PS4, but I feel like they like the PS5 is like their target hardware, and then they like downgraded all. I stuff. honestly, I hope that's the case. I, I hope do too. I really. I want to. I want to. I want a PS5 fucking showcase. So. Yeah, and I mean, right now it's looking like, to be completely honest, I don't think we're gonna have like that PS5 gorgeous games just for this system until i don't think probably 2023 yeah but i but returnal is that game right now it Um, is but it's also like you were saying it's more that indie space yeah it's beautiful but as far as like the big triple a 
right? There's no, where, where's the Elder Scrolls Six? you know, like that kind of thing. That's right? going to be, I think, 2023. Oh, but, 100%. I don't think we're getting any of that stuff coming up, so. Um, but, dude, I think, I think that's a good place to wrap up. What do you Sounds think? Sounds good. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so we're going to put this on the old Spotify on gaming and drinking, um, on YouTube gaming and drinking. Um, I'll have links on Twitter, uh, on Instagram, you know, this is episode zero. It's not going to be perfect. We, it might be terrible. It might be great. I don't know. Let me know. Like I said, let us know. Also, my microphone will be different for episode one. Uh, Why don't you show show them the mic that you bought? So this is my nice microphone. Uh, it's very nice and, uh, I can't wait to use it, but that's not what I'm using currently because it's an XLR microphone. Uh, We should have totally done that off the front end. Yeah, but it's fine. So if I sound a little weird in this episode, uh, I will sound better next week. Um, but we're getting, we're getting there. I have it. I just need, I need to buy a new cord for it. Uh, I'm very excited about using this microphone. Yeah. So that was an XLR mic, uh, and it doesn't have a USB out. So yeah, getting that XLR to USB adapter, going to get that going, going to have some cleaner audio on that side. Um, Hopefully my, uh, my, my decorations won't fall next week. (laughs) Yeah. Um, But I, I don't know, man, I think we're off to a good start here. I I really, I really like um, just the conversations that we are able to have. Like I said, we have these conversations every day. Yeah. (laughs) So we just wanted to share them with all of y'all. Yeah. And it's always fun getting a little drunk too. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> um, Very true. But anyways, this has been episode zero of the Gaming and Drinking Cast. And we will be back um, next week. Next week. Yeah. All right. Y'all have a good one. Set the